Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Although, for the first little bit, you're just going to have myself, Nate Thurston, Charlie, will be here joining us later on. Got to tell you, the Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash with fees of less than a penny per transaction. Dash is made for spending. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash, and you can learn more at dash.org. That's dash.org. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We got this Senate border deal, which is Already dead, although we're still going to go through it in detail to see why exactly this so-called border securing deal is already dead. We're going to be doing Dumb Leap of the Week, which means we're going to be going through a bunch of really, really dumb things that happened in politics over the last week that were submitted by our live group. That's the Fed Haters Club. And they send in those submissions, we go through them, and then they get to vote on them to see which one is the dumbest. We take those all the way down to the end of the year, we do a tournament challenge, and the winner gets a trophy for Dumb Bleep of the Year at the end of the year. Last year, the winner was uh, was Spike Cohen for the submission, uh, but it was actually a situation with the Hernandez family going on in Georgia. You want to go back and find that. And by the way, you can find that on our podcast, Good Morning Liberty. I know it might be confusing because this show that we do at night on this Tuesday night is called Liberty at Night. Why? Because it wouldn't make sense if we did a show called Good Morning Liberty and you were listening to it at 8 p.m., right? This doesn't make much sense. So our daily show that we do is called Good Morning Liberty and you can find that on your podcast app, wherever it is that you get your podcast. We have a merch store. You can go to godhatesfeds.com, godhatesfeds.com, and get yourself a God Hates Feds t-shirt. I know God doesn't actually hate anyone. It's a joke. But if he was, let's be honest, I mean, it, it would be feds. We all know that. And then, of course, I mentioned the the Fed Haters Club. Well, they get to put in these submissions for Dumb Leap of the Week, which we'll be doing at the end of hour two and then all the way throughout hour three of tonight's show. And they are they join that group by going to joingml.com. It might not seem that important, $7 a month, you know, so you can hang out live with us every single day of the week when we're doing the show. But it is very important. It's what keeps the lights on. It's what helps us keep putting out this great content uh, every day. So uh, let's get started. I had a great weekend. It was my wife's birthday over the weekend. Got some friends together, played some games. It was a good time. So I hope you had a great weekend as well. If this is your first time listening, I will say normally there's two of us and the two of us have been best friends for 20 years and have a good time going back and forth on this stuff. All right. So if you want to go back to an older show and listen to that, you're more than welcome to do so. Just be aware. This is not what we normally sound like, okay? But 
If you do like what you're hearing, smash the follow button, the subscribe button, give us a like on a YouTube video or whatever. Most of the time, you can watch these videos within a couple hours after the podcast comes out, so you can go actually watch this video, which could be useful today because I'm going to be going over some of the text from this new bill that just dropped from the Senate, and maybe it would be helpful to have a visual aid for you so you can go find this. There's a link in the show notes for that, by the way. And of course... If you want to visit any of the fine websites of any of our glorious sponsors, go do that. I mean, we got sponsors that have been sponsoring us for a long time. You know the content that we cover on this show. Not exactly the easiest stuff to get a lot of people to put their name behind. So just consider it, okay? All right, the big news that everyone is talking about today is this so-called so-called border bill that's going to fix our immigration system. And that's the thing that we are looking at. Like like President Biden said, we've reached an agreement on a bipartisan deal. Normally that means it's bad. In this case, it also seems to hold true that it's bad. He said, we reached an agreement on a bipartisan deal that includes the toughest and fairest set of border reforms in decades. And it includes support for Ukraine and Israel and provides humanitarian assistance for the Palestinian people. By includes support for Ukraine and Israel. What he means is that's the biggest part of the bill. Um, in fact, if you wanted to like look through some of the numbers, what you would see is that there's $60 billion for Ukraine. There's $14 billion for Israel. There's another $10 billion for humanitarian aid uh, for these countries or for Palestinians or Gazans or whatever you want to call them. It's an $84 billion war funding bill that mentions immigration for 50 pages out of the 370 pages of the bill. And by the way, there's no paid for in this bill. You know, sometimes they look at ways that they can pay for things. No, this is just $118 billion in new debt that we're going to be taking out and nothing's really going to change. We'll talk more about the Ukraine and the Israel thing later on. For the first part, we'll be talking about what's going on with the immigration section of this bill Before that, though, we're going to watch a video where Senator Chuck Schumer is describing the dire circumstances that we'll all find ourselves upon if we don't pass this bill. Things like uh, American troops fighting Russia, uh, stuff like that. So I think that we should listen so we know just how important this here bill is. And for everyone listening right now, I'm going to head it over to the... Soundboard. There we go. Closely with Leader McConnell on this, this bill, now that we see what's in it, seems to be as bipartisan as it gets. Why wouldn't this, why wouldn't both sides really want this to go through? Well, it's a great question, Mika. Look, it took a long time, four months of arduous negotiations. They fell off the tracks a whole bunch of times. I had to be on the phone even at midnight saying we've got to keep going. Why? We're at a turning point in America. This bill is crucial, and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war, and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe and a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. 
and the border. Everyone has said it's chaos. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson. He said it's mm -hmm. chaos. We have to do something legislative a few months ago. But what has happened, and answer your, to que your question, so this is crucial for America. It's a turning point. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? To his credit, Mitch McConnell did. But too many Republicans, yeah. including Speaker Johnson, are just scared to death of Donald Trump. Donald Trump has said he wants chaos. Donald Trump has said, well, wait till I become president. That'll take at least a year. Ukraine could be gone. The border will get much worse. War in the Middle East will get worse, maybe bring, bringing, bringing us into it. He's doing it all for political reasons. And let me just say, will senators, the crucial question, the $64,000 question, the majority of Republican senators know this bill is the right thing to do. It's a compromise. I don't like everything in it. Neither does McConnell. But it's a compromise. That's the only way you get things important done in the Senate. We proved that two years ago in our bipartisan legislation. And will the senators drown out the political noise from Trump and his minions and do the mm -hmm. right thing for America? It's a crucial question. History will, is looking down on every one of us right now. I think that's true. History will look down on every one of us right now, but not for the reasons he thinks. So... If you go through his logic that he just laid out, if we don't give Ukraine this money, this $60 billion, then they're going to lose the war. We could end up being over there fighting Russia in NATO countries. What we don't have is any kind of clear path to victory for Ukraine with this money, just like with the other money that we've already given to Ukraine. And we know that some of it's been stolen by corrupt people in Ukraine. Several reports talking about that. We don't have a clear path of how this $60 billion is going to win the war. No one is saying that Ukraine is definitely going to win this war. But if we don't borrow this money and give it to them, then we'll just end up fighting Russia and one of our NATO ally countries. And then with Israel, well, they're not going to be able to hold back Hamas if we don't give them this. Is anyone talking about how Israel just doesn't have the firepower to fight against Hamas. They just don't have the money. They just don't have the firepower. They don't have the weapons. There's nothing that they can do. No, we're just, we're just assuming that we just have to give them money. It's more like a signal to them that we're behind them, really, than them actually needing it. They've got a better debt-to-GDP ratio than we do. And then on top of that, we're also talking about giving, I believe it's $3 billion in humanitarian aid to Gaza, which is the other side of the war, that we're going to help fund with the $14 billion. So we're going to be paying for both sides of it. And we all know, like people are saying in the group right now, that doesn't mean that the people in Gaza, the starving people in Gaza are going to get the money. It's been a really tough time actually getting money to in the people's hands or that's actually going to benefit the citizens that live there. It's going to go to Hamas. Now they have to do a report later on to see how much of it went to Hamas, but it doesn't say anything about how that's going to stop us from giving them money or anything in the future. We're just going to someday see a news story saying that uh, $1.5 or $2 billion of it went to Hamas or more. And it'll be a news story for about two hours. And then we'll go on to something else afterwards. And that's what we see with this war funding bill. I'm going to, it's a, it, this is a war funding bill, $84 billion at least to fund two different wars and multiple sides of the war. And then they're going to throw in this little immigration kicker on top of that. The only reason they're really throwing this in is to try and get Republicans to vote for it. They throw in the Israel thing. Maybe we can get some Republicans to vote and we can also send Ukraine aid at the same time. 
And it also kind of absolves them of this talking point of this is Biden's border crisis because they can say, well, we tried to fix the border and Republicans just didn't want to. Just like how Chuck Schumer just ended right then saying that Trump wants chaos. This is all on Trump and his minions. But then when you actually look at the bill, it, it doesn't do anything to solve the border problem. And I say this every single time. This is a libertarian podcast. We have a very nuanced opinion when it comes to immigration. But one thing I don't have a nuanced opinion on is when people are lying about things. And even if I maybe disagree with some of the strongest border hawks that there are out there, I also don't like it when politicians use lies as talking points and try to present this bill as something that it's not. So we're going to talk about this today as if we just actually wanted the border crisis to be shut down and we wanted it to be stopped. Does this bill do that? The clear answer is no. No, it doesn't do that. It actually codifies what's happening right now into law. You know that talking point of Biden's not following the law and so therefore we have to do something? What this essentially does is take what's happening right now and puts it into law. That way you can't say that Biden's not following what the immigration laws are. It essentially says, well, you know, as long as it's not more than 5,000, what are you going to do about it? This, this the law says that we're going to allow this many people over the border. So there you go. Let's go through some of this. I did pull up a news story because I, I wanted to see... I wanted to see the points of the bill without having to read the whole thing. And it turns out I ended up needing to read all of the immigration section and some of the other stuff a couple times to get a good grasp on it because the news reports on it are all over the place and don't cover the points very well. But here's one from CBS. It says, Senators release border Ukraine deal that would allow the president to pause U.S. asylum law and quickly deport migrants doesn't really do those things, but let's talk a little bit about what CBS had to say about it. If the bill is passed by Congress and signed into law by the president, the federal government would gain a new sweeping emergency authority to reject most migrants when crossings along the southern border reach certain thresholds. Now, what do they mean by reject? That's not really something you can find in this bill. During this time that the border is emergency shut down, they don't say that they're just going to turn away every person, that they're going to put them on a bus and take them back to Mexico, or that they're going to force them to wait in Mexico while they're processing asylum claims that remain in Mexico policy, nothing like that. They actually don't line out what they're going to do to shut down the border, other than they're not going to be processing these asylum claims in the illegal places that people are entering. Presumably what they're going to do is they're going to put people on a bus and take them to one of the legal ports of entry, and allow them to do their asylum claims through that area, uh, which they say must still stay open, even when the border is emergency shut down. We'll talk about that more when we're going through the text on the bill. The power could be activated on a discretionary basis after average daily border crossings are over 4,000 over a seven-day period. The federal government would be required to use the authority when daily average border crossings reach 5,000 over seven days, or if there are 8,500 in a day. The power, which Mr. Biden has referred to as an authority to shut down the border, would allow the president to effectively pause asylum law, which currently allows most migrants on U.S. soil to request asylum, even if they entered the country illegally. Like I said, what they're going to do is they're going to take them down to one of the legal ports of entry 
and they actually have a minimum amount of inadmissible immigrants or migrants or whatever aliens that they have to process every day, a minimum amount, not even the maximum amount there. There's a minimum of 1,400 that they have to process every day during this time that the border is shut down. So it says that they have to keep doing it even with inadmissible migrants. Migrants who illegally cross into the U.S. when this power is invoked would not be allowed to seek asylum. They would be summarily deported from the U.S. unless they pass screenings for forms of humanitarian refuge that are more difficult to obtain. They're going to take them back over to one of the border crossings, and that's where it's going to happen. Those who enter the U.S. illegally repeatedly when this power is invoked would be banned from the country for one year. All right, let's see. Let's see how they do that. It's going to be pretty difficult when people have no identification and you don't know where they came from, the way that you're going to... But they say if you try to do it repeatedly, you got one year, no, no immigration for you, one year. The authority would sunset after three years. There would also be limits on the number of days on which this power can be used. This is a really weird one that I did not understand. There's a limit of days that this power can be used. Now, if this is a, a border securing bill, wouldn't it be important year round? It kind of seems like a year round thing that you would want your border to be secure if that is in fact one of the goals of the law that you're passing. Like that's a principle that you said is important. And so you want to try and keep the border secured all the time. This actually sets a limited number of days that this can be enforced each year. And it's less days each year until it sunsets in three years. So the first year is 270 days during the first year. So even if it crosses the threshold and they have to keep it closed for a long time, once it's at 270 days, this entire authority is gone out the window. There's an important thing that they messed up in here. And I actually heard someone else mess it up earlier today as well on a pretty big podcast. Uh, It says the emergency measure would be deactivated when the average number of daily border crossings drops by 75%. That is not what the text of the bill says. Uh, We'll talk about that once we get to that point. Now, Senator James Lankford, who is one of the authors of the bill, is upset that people don't like the bill. He tweeted out a little three-part thread here today. So I wanted to give his side of the story. Senator Lankford says the Border Emergency Authority has been the most misunderstood or maybe just misrepresented part of the bill. Some people have said it would mean 5,000 people a day are coming into the country every day. That is absurd and untrue. The Emergency Authority is not designed to let 5,000 people in. It is designed to close the border and turn 5,000 people around. Well, not if it stays at or under 5,000 people. I mean, if you stay at if you if you stay at four thousand nine hundred ninety nine, then it says that's totally fine, and that rhymed, and I didn't mean for it to. Okay, the border emergency authority only lasts three years to force this administration to shut down the border and to give time for the next president to hire more agents and more officers. After three years, the emergency authority expires because we should have regained full control of our border by then. Well, not when you have a provision in it that says if it's been closed the third year, I believe, is 180 days. So half the year, this is in effect. And if you're over this 5,000 for that amount of time, they keep it closed 
And then after that, since there's a 180-day maximum amount that it could be closed that's just wide open, and this provision doesn't matter at all. So I don't know why the border will be fully controlled by that time. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So let's get into it. This is in Title Three of this bill, 1 and 2, where Ukraine and Israel securing America, Border Emergency Authority. And that's where we are on this thing. Now, it says, these are some exceptions to this border emergency authority. So it shall, now be, shall not be activated with respect to any of the following, a citizen or national of the United States. Okay, that's cool. An alien who is lawfully admitted for permanent residence. Okay, legal immigrant, whatever. C, uh, C here is uh, an unaccompanied alien child. So they're not going to be counting unaccompanied minors in this. And then an alien who an immigration officer, this part's very unclear. I don't know if they mean asylum seeker on this or what. An alien who an immigration officer determines with the approval of a supervisory immigration officer should be accepted from the Border Emergency Authority based on the totality of the circumstances, including consideration of significant law enforcement, officer, public safety, humanitarian, and public health interests, or an alien who an immigration officer determines uh, in consultation with ICE should be accepted from the Border Emergency Authority due to operational considerations. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know what that means either. Okay, but these are people that they're going to be exempting from this rule. Uh, the border, the border emergency authority shall only be activated as to aliens who are not subject to an exception under the previous stuff that we just read, and who are, after the authority is activated, within 100 miles of the United States southwest and land border, and within the 14-day period after entry. So, if you can get more than 100 miles away from the border, or you can hide out for two weeks, totally fine. That this exemption happens several times. So, 100 miles or two weeks, totally fine after that. All good. I'm assuming the 100-mile aspect uh, has to do with the Border Patrol's authority, the the part of the country that they actually have authority to operate in. So, uh, what they mean with that are, say, both sides of, uh, you know, like Arizona, and then you get the Texas and all that. They say... Southwest and land border within the 14-day period. They name out all the states that this counts. Um, I didn't see them actually talking about the other, the northern border on this, but maybe they do talk about that. I don't know. All right, we're going to keep going through this uh, so-called border securing deal, which is actually just a war funding deal. Uh, If you think you heard some bad stuff in this segment, just wait for the next one. It gets even worse. Liberty Night on Free Talk Live. Eutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. We are back with Liberty at Night. 
on the Free Talk Live Network. We're with you tonight with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network, coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We've been going through this uh, DOA border deal, which is actually a war funding deal that's uh, being concealed by stuff for the border in it. Very, very fine details here. Let's get back into them. Uh, In general, whenever the border emergency authority is activated, the secretary shall have the authority and the secretary's sole and unreviewable discretion to summarily remove from and prohibit in the whole or in part entry into U.S. into the U.S. of any alien identified in the subsection who is subject to such authority in accordance uh, people who are not in those exemptions. Okay, the secretary may activate the border emergency authority if... During a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 4,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day. So that is a discretionary authority. If it goes over 4,000, they can choose to use this authority. If it goes over 5,000, what the next part says, they, they have to do it. Okay, so the secretary shall activate the border emergency authority if during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 5,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day or Any one calendar day, a combined total of 8,500 or more aliens are encountered. Encountered is a very important word that they use quite a lot because this does not count what are known as gotaways. I believe Costco mentioned this earlier. So these are people that actually have encounters with the Border Patrol. There are thousands of other people who are able to get in get between the systems. You can see them on camera, but you don't exactly have encounters with Border Patrol uh, that we know about. So there's a known gotaways, and then there's the other gotaways that we can kind of assume also happened. Those don't count towards the number. Even if we can see on camera, if we can see on camera that there are 4,000 known gotaways that came through that didn't have an encounter with Border Patrol, that doesn't count towards the number that can shut down the border, just so you know. And then also unaccompanied minors don't count towards the border. And then there's some other rules for people uh, who are from South America uh, that don't count either. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Uh, in general, for purposes of these, the way that they write these things, I mean, I know it's a legal document, it's a law and all that, but good Lord. For purposes of those previous paragraphs, the average for the applicable seven-day period shall be calculated using the sum of the number of encounters that occur between the southwest land border ports of entry of the United States, the number of encounters that occur between the ports of entry along the southern coastal borders, Um, and I didn't get the other part. The limitation aliens ascribed in the subsection from non-contiguous countries shall not be included in calculating the sum of aliens encountered. Non-contiguous countries, that's going to mean the places from South America. So we're just counting the contiguous countries, the places that are connected with the United States without our uh, imaginary borderlines that we draw. Um, So once again, with not counting gotaways and even known gotaways towards the number, unaccompanied minors, exemptions for people from non-contiguous countries. Um, You got a chance that there's going to be still thousands upon thousands of people that can come in and not even touch this law. So like I said, to start this out, they're actually taking what's happening right now and they're basically codifying it 
And there's some other weird stuff that's about to happen here, too. Let me see. Um, the secretary shall not activate the border emergency authority during the first calendar year after the effective date for more than 270 cal- <laughs> calendar days. So the 270 days in the first year. After that, you do whatever. Seriously, the emergency authority is gone. Okay. The next year, 225 days. And in the third year, that's the year that uh, Senator Lankford just said that our border was going to be under control. No more than 180 calendar days. So a little bit less than half of the year. So if we blow out the first half of the year, the last half of the year is really open for a blowout because there's no more authority, emergency authority after that. I don't understand why you would decide to put a limit on the amount of days a year that you could enforce a law. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, I know we get like tax-free holiday weekends and stuff like that, but this seems to be just a little bit different. You're saying that this is a super important thing and there's a border crisis and all that, but a little less than half the year, the rest of the year, yeah, you know, just kind of do whatever. I don't understand that part at all. Here's a very important part that I'm not hearing enough people talk about. I've got some questions when it comes to a legal document and the way that you word things in the document. So this section is suspensions of the authority. So remember, they shut it down after they have the seven calendar days where it's over 5,000. Okay, when do, you, when do you reopen it, right? Doesn't mean it's going to be closed forever. And by closed, they mean they're going to put people on buses and take them to legal ports of entry, I assume, because that's not really laid out in here. Suspensions of authority. The secretary shall suspend activation of the border emergency authority and the procedures not later than 14 calendar days after the date on which the following occurs, if applicable. So not later than 14 days after one of these things happens. So here we go. In the case of an activation, we'll just say uh, where they have to do it. Say it's over 5,000 and they don't have an option. They've got to shut it down. Okay. There is during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, an average of less than 75% of the encounter level described in that previous paragraph. Now, earlier, what we read from CBS and what I even heard Ben Shapiro say today was what CBS said, that the emergency would be deactivated when the average number of daily border crossings drops by 75%. That's not what it says. It says when the number is less than 75% of the number that triggered the emergency authority. So, for instance, if it's 6,000, and that's the average over seven days, well, over the next seven-day period, because they've done such a great job shutting everything down, it would need to be below 4,500, and then they can reopen it back up. 75% of the number that triggered the emergency authority not a 75% decline in the number. In fact, the number needs to decline by 25.01%. So a little bit different there. And here's my question. It says that they have to suspend the emergency authority not later than 14 days after this happens. So they hit 75% of the encounter level used for activation. Here's my question. What if the encounter level used for activation was 8,000? Stick with me here. Say it was 8,000. And then you get 75% of that number the following week. 75% of that is 6,000. Does that mean that they reopen it that week? Because 6,000 is still technically above 
the 5,000 threshold. This document, this law, does not say 75% of the encounter level and less than the 5,000 threshold used to trigger the emergency authority. It being a it being a legal document, you think you would need to cover that. In fact, it doesn't even refer back to previous times where it stated the 5,000. I'm just saying, it, I would ask for more clarification on this if I were a senator. So if it's 8,000, they would need to drop it down to 6,000 to get it reopened. Now, say you run at 6,000 for a week after that. Well, that would trigger it to be closed again. And then it could drop down below 4,500, 75% of the number used to trigger the emergency uh, the week after that. And then everything's all fine. Now you can pump it back up to 8,000 the week after that and continuously go on this row of really heavy week, drop it down some, drop it down some, really heavy week, drop it down some, drop it down some. And in effect, what you have is a still a really, really high amount of people that are coming across the border in what used to be an illegal way. I don't know what you call it after this law gets signed. Now, I don't know for sure that it's going to go through. A lot of Republicans are saying, uh, like Mike Johnson, who is a real person, uh, he said that this is dead on arrival when it comes in. So maybe there's no way this goes through. Or maybe they change up just a couple things and it still goes through. Or maybe they kick in some more money for Israel and it still goes through. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, Someone in the group, for everyone listening, the uh, Fed Haters Club, by the way, just said that we should let the states do whatever they want. We'll play uh, what Governor Greg Abbott is claiming has happened at Eagle Pass uh, since they started putting up their razor wire and they took control of this area. Maybe that's a way that you protect the border. I don't know. I'm just speaking to people who are concerned about the border problem, think it's a border crisis, think that maybe we should have a secure border. And the question to me is, is that what this bill does? Because Democrats are out there saying, well, we offered them a way to secure the border. This is a harsh law that gives Biden the authority to shut down the border. And they just don't want to do it because they want Trump to win the the election in November. And they don't want President Biden to be able to fix the border problem. And me, when I look at this, I see this does nothing to fix the border problem. You could still stay at 5,000 or one less than that every single day and everything's fine. And I guess at that point, it follows the law, right? I don't know. Uh, Let's look at a couple other things. Emergency suspension of authority. Here's the other really interesting part. Now, this is a law. And get signed and enacted by by Congress, the people, the people's voices. But if the president finds that it is in the national interest to temporarily suspend the border emergency authority, the president may direct the secretary to suspend use of border emergency authority on an emergency basis. So if the border emergency authority has an emergency, then you trigger the super duper super duper double emergency powers that the president's going to have and he'll be able to actually stop this law from even being able to do what it's supposed to be doing in the first place which to me is pretty dangerous if you're a republican considering voting for this and you think 
well, maybe this is going to help Biden out. It could help him out to the election. Say he somehow wins re-election. He could just say, well, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, we totally just did that so we could win the election. Pretty weird. Kind of weird. Let's see. Oh, here's the other part. Probably could have mentioned this earlier. During any activation of the Border Emergency Authority under subsection doesn't matter, the secretary shall maintain the capacity to process and continue processing a minimum of 1,400 inadmissible aliens each calendar day cumulatively across all Southwest land border ports of entry in a safe and orderly process developed by the secretary. Meaning that even when this is shut down, this is where I'm presuming and assuming that this means they're just going to be picking up people and taking them to uh, regular ports of entry. They have to process, it says minimum. There's no maximum. It doesn't say maximum amount to 5,000 or anything like that. It says a minimum of 1,400 inadmissible aliens each day while the emergency authority is in effect. Once again, a little bit weird for a border security law, in my opinion. Uh, for the purpose of calculating the numbers, the 5,000, the 4,000, uh, the secretary shall count all unaccompanied alien children who are nationals of contiguous countries processed at the South, Southwest land border ports of entry, but shall not count such children who are nationals of non-contiguous countries, which once again is weird. Why the difference? Why the difference between if you're from a, if you're from Mexico or if you're from probably Argentinians, uh, you know, fleeing libertarianism. And that's definitely the other people who are coming in. Uh, why the difference in the way that you process those people? Why do some people count towards the number and other people don't? I don't know. Um, the See, with respect to the term, uh, encounter means you're physically apprehended by the U.S. CBP uh, within 100 miles of the southwest land border of the United States during the 14-day period immediately after entry between, between ports of entry uh, or at the southern coastal borders during the 14-day period immediately after entry between ports of entry. So once again, it has to be within 100 miles and within two weeks. So you can just hide out or get 100 miles away. You're totally fine. No problem. Okay, Representative Dan Bishop uh, had a good things to say on this last part I wanted to mention. Here's another crazy part before we move on to something else. In this judicial review section, which comes right after the sections we were just uh, reading through, it says, notwithstanding any other provision of this act, judicial review of any decision or action in this section shall be governed only by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, which shall have sole and original jurisdiction to hear challenges, whether constitutional or otherwise, to the validity of this section, or any written policy directive, written policy guideline, written procedure, or the implementation thereof issued by or under the authority of the secretary. So of any of the regulations or rules uh, which the secretary has uh, the ability to write under this law, they don't go to the local district courts. The district court for the District of Columbia is going to have the sole jurisdiction over matters concerning this law. Okay. Uh, Dan Bishop said, any challenges to the statute or any policy, guideline, or procedure Mayorkas sees fit to issue will be heard exclusively 
by the federal district court in the swamp. Tough orders from federal district courts in Texas and Florida will be no more. So you're not going to hear about the fifth court issues this thing. Nope, has to go through the one in D.C. I don't know, guys. If you're talking about securing the border, I wouldn't exactly say that this is what's going to do it. I, I don't understand the whole thing of uh, up to 5,000 is fine. I don't understand the part where you're only going to do this for a limited amount of days during the year. Like if the border invasion is really bad and is shut down for 180 days, you just got to open it up after that. There's just no way you can keep it going. I don't understand why a law would do that. Why would you, why would you set a limit on the amount of days that you can enforce a law? Someone tell me why. Now, Texas Governor Greg Abbott was on Fox News talking about what's happened in their area in Eagle Pass after they put up their razor wire and other barriers. Uh, So let's see what he had to say on that. Nope, not you, Chuck Schumer. Uh, Let's go to Abbott. I want to get your take on the assessment at the border today. You know, you've got a border trip coming up. You are hosting several governors from across the country at the southern border today, correct? Can you tell us about it? Sure, that's correct. Maria, uh, more than half of the governors are now joined together uh, in support of a very important proposition, and that is uh, we are guaranteed by the United States Constitution the right of self-defense if states face imminent harm or invasion. Texas obviously is facing both an imminent harm uh, as well as an invasion. Uh, And so these governors are rallying around Texas to support our ongoing right to self-defense and and the deployment of this razor wire that has led to uh, a a massive reduction in inflow. Maria, get this. Uh, The area where we uh, have have occupied this park in Eagle Pass, Texas, that we put up the razor wire, uh, there used to be 3,000 or 4,000 people crossing that area a day. Uh, For the past three days, we've averaged just three people crossing that area. The point is, if we put up resistance, we show that we can secure the border. Joe Biden should not be stopping that. Yeah. So that seems like a fairly easy solution. You know, um, what he basically said there was in Eagle Pass, there were three to 4,000 people coming through a day in this area. And since they put up their razor wire, there's no wall, but since they put up their razor wire, that's down to three. And I don't think that means that everyone's dying on the way to the razor wire or anything like that. I think that means that people realize that they couldn't just walk right through this area, that it was actually getting enforced. And I don't know, it seems like probably a cheaper option also if you just kind of enforce the current laws that there are right now. Anyone? No? Yeah, that's 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 probably what I would do. But since this may not pass because Republicans just want to be able to blame Biden for the border, and here he is trying to fix the border. Since this probably isn't going to pass, don't worry. I know that you got super worried about Israel when I said that this probably wasn't going to pass because they just don't have any money and they don't have any weapons or anything like that. And so I know you're super worried about them immediately. Don't worry, Speaker Mike Johnson is putting a, sending the bill to the floor to send $17.6 billion to Israel with no corresponding spending cuts, which is a reversal meant to preempt the Senate's border and national security bill that they have. Now, he's actually putting it in its own single bill. 
beforehand, when they first put this out, they said that it had to be paid for, like they were going to take money away from the IRS to be able to pay for the money they were going to send to Israel. This one doesn't have a pay for. And this is so they can say, well, we still want to be able to help Israel. See, look at this bill that we have. I still would like to see the news report saying that Israel is on its last leg and there's just no, I don't know about you, but the news stories I've been seeing don't exactly back up the idea that Israel just can't do anything about Hamas. If the U.S. doesn't give them any money, if we don't send them more stuff, they're just going to fail this Hamas. You know, they're just way too tough for Israel to take out. You see them keep trying to blow stuff up and they just can't blow stuff up anymore, you know. So we got to send them $17.6 billion of our money that we're going to have to borrow and pay interest on. I haven't seen it. So this immediate need to say that we have to get involved by funding other people's wars, especially in a country like Israel, like I said, has a better debt to GDP ratio than we even do. Why we should be taking out debt to send money to another country. This is no anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, nothing like that. This is anti-debt. This is anti-destruction of the United States. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. Thomas Massey comes out, and he says, the Speaker just announced that next week the House will vote on a clean bill to send Israel. He says $14.3 billion. It turns out they're actually asking for 17 point whatever it was billion. Um, Massey says, Israel has a lower debt-to-GDP ratio than the United States. The spending package has no offsets, so it will increase our debt by $14.3 billion plus interest. Thomas Massey always votes against foreign aid bills. But this guy, who got a lot of responses, okay, this is the ridiculous part. It may be a Dumbleep submission for Dumbleep of the Week on Friday. John Podhoretz says, of course you're a no, you disingenuous piece of anti-Semitic filth. <laughs> so you can be against sending money to Ukraine, or you can be against sending, spending any kind of debt money all over the place. Any way that they want to try and spend it, you're against it. But when you're against sending money to Israel, well, that's anti-Semitism right there for you. What are you going to do? We got a few news items to talk about. This uh, congressional hearing with the heads of the social media companies. The and oligarchy. So, yeah, all of the different <laughs> monopolies in the social media sphere, multiple, yeah. multiple of them. Mm-hmm. And so they went up there and Congress people were making them feel bad because it, it turns out, Charlie, social media, what they're saying is, is that it's uh, bad for kids and that they haven't done a good enough job yeah. protecting young people on the platforms. Now, we don't have time to do it today, but next week, well, you're going to be gone for a few days next week. Mm-hmm. One of those days, I'm going to do a long episode. We'll see. I might not be gone. Okay. Anyway, um, we're going to do a uh, long episode on how maybe that's true, maybe it's not, because it's not as easy as what some people are saying, that social media is just causing people to get depressed. If we believe it, we would believe a lot of other studies that just show a lot of correlation equaling causation. So I don't want to just agree. Like chocolate making people fat? Well, okay, that could have maybe a direct effect. But should it's, we, it's potential. Should we ban know. chocolate, though? Well, no, probably not. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of people on the left are using clips from people on the right, grilling Mark Zuckerberg and others, to say, well, we should be doing the same thing to gun manufacturers because guns are harmful for kids. 
And so that's one of the big dangers. I want to play a couple clips from what happened. Like I said, next week, I'll probably spend some more time on this. This is Josh Hawley from Missouri talking to Mark Zuckerberg and eventually asked him to stand up and turn around and apologize to the families of kids that have died, you know, committed suicide, done, done whatever terrible thing happened. Asked him to stand up and turn around and apologize to them. And he does mm-hmm. do that in this hearing. And then we have a clip from Lindsey Graham afterwards. And so we're going to be getting into that when we, when we get right back. Don't you go anywhere. Liberty and Night on the Free Talk Live Network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live. What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We are starting hour number two. We went through that whole terrible, terrible war funding bill that's actually uh, not going to make it anywhere, it seems like, which is great news. And so that's a great news on a Tuesday night, right? But now we're talking about this social media hearing uh, where they asked Mark Zuckerberg to apologize to the families. Here's the video. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? It's a weird place to be in. Like, yeah, you have to do it. Can't hear him. He's not next to a microphone. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing extremely big efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. Awkward. No. Yeah. Why so awkward? Okay. All right. Now that that's out of the way. Uh, what a lot of people asking in the live group right now is what, what harm has Facebook actually caused to people you might have other people that have caused harm to other people facebook is just a a, a medium that people are using it could be using think, cell phones or whatever like is a usps responsible for strongly <laughs> worded letters that are sent in the mail yeah it's their fault people delivering feelings? those things for sure <laughs> you know the uh the does apple play a part in this because they have the device that people download facebook on to then use to bully people. 
so the I want to play the clip from Lindsey Graham, and then we'll get on to the bigger, are the parents the bigger question. At blame because no, they def- had Charlie. They it's had the definitely kid. Not the parents' responsibility. I'm talking about the the parents of the bully. Mm, that mm-hmm. you know because they had that bully. Yeah, and then they weren't monitoring their bully well enough to know that he was bullying other kids into committing suicide. No, no, it's uh, never a parent's responsibility to keep track of what their kids yeah. are doing at all. It's actually, it's, it's you Facebook's re- responsibility. You want to rely on the government for that kind of thing to make, to put Facebook. safeguards in place and the different private companies and the evil corporations. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to Lindsey Graham. He's had enough. Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean to, it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. Says the guy who wants to bomb everyone. When we had so cigarettes killing people, we did some about it, maybe not enough. You're going to talk about guns? We have the ATF. Nothing here. There's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. You can't be sued. Now, Senator. Blumenthal and Blackburn, who've been like oh, the that's dynamic the problem. duo These companies here, can't be sued. have found mm-hmm. emails from your company where they warned you about this stuff, and you decided not to hire 45 people that could do a better job of policing this. Okay. As, as you pointed out, <laughs> there's something slightly ironic about Lindsey Graham saying the words, you have blood on your hands. Yeah. To Mark Zuckerberg and, and executives yeah. of social media At companies. the same time that he's like tweeting on a social media platform about different countries that we should bomb, you know. That we should turn to glass. It's kind of weird, yeah. right? That we should <laughs> like, eliminate. <laughs> Lindsey Graham wants to eliminate whole populations of yeah. people. His number one use of social media actually is to advocate for the death of as many people as possible. What like did he just say about does, Iran? You know? That we should hit them hard now? Yeah, hit them now. Hit them hard. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing that scares me about this is we, we fight tooth and nail about you know, uh, trying to help protect private companies and they can run their companies the way that they want and the government shouldn't get involved uh, with the things that you can or can't post on these companies. And the way that they always get in the door is by bringing you the saddest story possible and, of course, involving children. And then what you're going to do is create a bunch of support for a bill that essentially is going to be a moderation tool for the U.S. government. It's going to be a backdoor for the U.S. government and these social media companies. And they're going to do it under the guise of trying to protect children. But what they're actually going to be saying is that people in the U.S. government are going to have the right to dictate what you can and can't do yeah. with your platform. We've got some ideas from the live group. Okay, okay. Uh, how to solve the whole issue. We just need to bomb Facebook. We could do that. Bomb Facebook into mm-hmm. to making sure that people don't kill people utilizing yeah, kill the people, commu- yeah. communication of their platform. People, people bombing people. Powerful stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. Uh, and and whether or not we can trust some of the data behind this or whether or not it's just being used uh, to open up a door for the U.S. government to get involved with these companies. Uh, in an unrelated note, there's no reason this directly follows us talking about Lindsey Graham at all. The uh, U.S. has approved a plan to strike Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. Oh, so they... 
Congress declared war? It's, it sort of sounds like that's Is what that, they did, right? <laughs> are you saying Congress declared war? Seems like they declared war. When they say U.S. approves plan, no, it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's just the executive branch yeah, has who, a, approved a plan who, to strike these. I find it really weird how much, uh, uh, how much warning they're giving people. You know, they're, we keep hearing, yeah, we're going to strike back because of this uh, attack that happened on this base in Jordan. And then you hear like, oh, we might be doing it tonight. We'll, we'll let you guys know. The people that were trying to strike and kill because they killed these people, we'll let you know. Now they're like, oh, now we're going to be hitting people in Syria and Iraq because, you know, Charlie. Iran. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're going we're gonna to be looking at Iran, punching Iraq in the face like, yeah, you want more of this? I'm going to keep hitting Iraq if you don't stop. <laughs> Yeah, and after all, this is what we needed, Charlie. We hadn't dropped enough bombs in Syria and Iraq. Yeah, and or so on Facebook. This is probably <laughs> this is yeah. probably what's going to solve the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I would say. I think we should just go to war with everyone. We should just in case to keep people safe. Yeah, yeah, we'd be safer if we did that. The reason why we can't drop a few bombs on Canada <laughs> just to let them know, like, hey, we're here. You know, speaking of um, down south, Mexico, just drop a few. Well. Yeah. You know, to protect people from the cartel. Just to let them know. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Lindsey Graham has probably tweeted some out like that before on those dangerous social media platforms. Here's another weird one, just to brush over this story that's going to get swept under the rug in about two hours, uh, was the top story on the Washington Post when I clicked on it just a little bit ago. Um, precision equipment for Russian arms makers came from Taiwan. Maybe. I told you everything's made in Taiwan, man. You've <laughs> been getting now. I learned that on Armageddon, and it's still true today. Here's the deal: they're not Taiwan's not supposed to be selling stuff to Russia or the Russian arms makers. Mm. Um, it's a it's sort of an awkward situation because they found uh, since uh, January of last year, there's been several million dollars worth of this technology uh, since January 2023. iMachine Technology, which is the company arms manufacturer in Russia has imported over $20 million of sophisticated equipment called CNC machine tools made in Taiwan, which is a U.S. strategic partner. According to trade records and Russian tax documents, uh, the computer control machines... Why would machines, they put this on record? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If they're not supposed to. You so don't want to write that down. Don't you want to not have that book? This is why, you know, all the bookies got in trouble and stuff well, back in is, the day. This is one of those books that sh- should have been burned, you, probably. Yeah, you, you shouldn't keep an accounting record of this type of thing. <laughs> The computer control machine. Find someone who could just memorize it in their mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the guy. Then you take that guy out. Yeah, you know, because he knows too much. The computer controlled machines Why are used for the uh, women can remember things very well. No, uh, they're <laughs> used for the complex and precise manufacturing that's critical in many industries, including weapons production. The Taiwan-made machines accounted for virtually all of the Russian company's imports in the first seven months of last year, according to the records. And the company's sales during that period were overwhelmingly to the Russian defense industry. Uh, they also sought to make the machines available for a secretive Russian effort to mass produce the the attack drones that have unleashed horrors on the U.S. backed Ukrainian army. <laughs> so just a weird phrasing, like you hear about like Iran backed militias and stuff, like the the U.S. backed Ukrainian army. Mm-hmm. According yeah, well, to we're the not involved in a war, though. No, no, we're, we're not. It's not yeah. us. This is a weird situation where they're not supposed to be selling this kind of stuff to Russia. You end up finding out, well, Taiwan is selling stuff to help Russia make attack drones that are killing U.S.-backed Ukrainian army uh, people in, in, uh, in Ukraine. And then also, at the same time, 
we are threatening to potentially get into a war with China if they end up attacking Taiwan. Like they're someone that we're willing to fight against China to protect or at least give them a bunch of weapons. And at the same time, they're helping a country that we are helping another country fight against over between Russia and Ukraine. I'm just saying it's sort of a weird, sort of a weird timeline that we're living in right now. That seems pretty strange. It's just slightly confusing to me. Like I said, nothing's going to come from this. No one else is going to talk about it. When China is interesting. Go back though, because it says that Taiwan has condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine and in April, 2022 imposed controls on exports of technology to Russia, except for these things. We're going to still sell you these. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, we don't like you invading (laughs) Ukraine. So why don't you just send secret Jones over (laughs) instead of troops? Mm -hmm. Be fine. Nobody will know the difference. (sighs) Turns out that if you can sell things for money, that they'll do it. You'll do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to help them fight China. They need that money. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, it's January, so everyone's thinking new year, new me, right? But what if there are some things that you're already doing right and could just be expanded on? I started keeping a calendar at the end of last year, trying to get better organized with my crazy life schedule. Maybe you're like Charlie and you've already shed 80 pounds of extra weight and you just have a little further to go. Well, therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. As you know, I've done therapy in the past and found it to be extremely helpful. It's not just for those that have major trauma, although it's perfect for that too. But it's also for people that want to learn positive coping skills and how to set healthy boundaries and how to be the best the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash GML. All right, from the WAPO here, um, getting into some economics. Mm-hmm. Switching because, away from war and social media right now. Because actually the most important thing is economics. Mm-hmm. So uh, the House votes to expand the child tax credit and beef up corporate Tax breaks. We talked about this. Uh, we talked about this last week or the week before. Now, this hasn't gone through the Senate. They're saying it could have a tough time in the Senate. I think what's actually going to happen is that they're going to retool a couple things. And uh, I think they could add some stuff to it that could get it passed. Yeah. Uh, the biggest reason. Hey, uh, I want to say hi to Prax Ben real quick. Thanks oh, yeah. for joining. It says that we can invite him to join as a guest. Okay. We should do that sometime. We should do that sometime where <laughs> you can see both of us right now. It's just currently me. I'm live on TikTok for those wondering. Uh, Nate's here as well. Hey, what's up? It's yeah. just, it's, it's more difficult to get a shot of the whole studio, but I think we can now go live via the computer on TikTok. No. No. They only offer that for Windows right now. Oh. Yeah, the live studio thing. It's just a Windows download. Anyway, send us a message, yeah. Prax. We'll figure <laughs> out how to how to sync up on TikTok one of these days. The problem is we're millennials. Yeah, we don't know how. Yeah. We don't know how to do it. And I think I think Ben, you are maybe a Gen Z. So I don't perhaps know. you could school us. We need to be 
we need to be this taught. Whole thing. There's so many things I wanted to make a TikTok video about, and I don't understand how to use like the green screen buttons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know how people like put stuff behind them, and then there's other stuff, and like I honestly just haven't figured out how to use TikTok yet. Oh, okay. Well, I just haven't done it. Yeah, I don't know how. Well, there's probably a video out there that would tell me, but I have always room for it. improvement. I haven't found the video yet. Okay, ben yeah, said, so, uh, yeah, for sure. Good. So we'll figure that out. Good. There we go. House votes to expand child tax credit. Let's go through a couple of the uh, little bits of information we have here, Charlie. All right. Most of the child tax credit enhancements would benefit lower income families. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Imagine that. Who would be able to claim more of the credit. The deal calls for increasing the maximum refundable credit for households, households who owe little or no income taxes. So what that means, obviously, when you get a refundable credit is even if you don't pay taxes, you still get money from the government. Yep. So low-income families with more than one child would receive the same credit for each of their children, just as higher-income households already do. Also, families would have the choice of using their earnings in the current year or prior year in case their income is volatile. Depends on how many (laughs) ham sandwiches you're slinging on the street corner. Mm -hmm. Tamales. Tamales, that's right. The credit would be adjusted for inflation starting in 2024, (laughs) which is expected to bump up the maximum credit to $2,100 per child in 2025 up from the current $2,000, according to the left leaning center on budget and policy priorities, maximum credit, $2,100 per child in 2025. And I love that they're going to inflation adjust in something that's going to cause inflation. It's always beautiful when they do that, you know, I mean, it's smart. They know that it's going to cause enough inflation that the the money's going to be worthless after a few years. So you need to bump up the number with the inflation that you're helping cause. Yeah. Well, if so you could thinking ahead, the thing about the perpetual motor, Nate, is if you could just invest in the right motor mm-hmm. to perpetually keep supplying itself with energy, you would need an actual power source. It would just keep itself it would keep going. itself going. Yeah, because that's an an actual thing so if you print more money so that you can spend more money even though the price of money keeps going up you just keep printing more and eventually you're printing enough money and giving away enough money that it solves itself i didn't hear a single thing wrong with that at all that That makes total sense doesn't perfect sense exactly let's listen to what thomas massey had to say about this people on tiktok won't be able to hear it because they're not plugged in they're right not, now they uh, don't have any here we ears. go i would like to yield such time as the gentleman shall consume to my friend from kentucky the gentleman from kentucky is recognized thank the gentleman from texas look there's something in this bill called tax credits but they're also called refundable so what is a refundable tax credit it's welfare by a different name we are going to give cash payments checks to people who don't even pay taxes the hard-working constituents that I represent in Kentucky are tired of getting up at 6 a.m., driving an hour or two to work, working their hind ends off to watch their neighbors collect these checks, of which there will be more of after this bill. It's just wrong. Now, does anybody find it interesting that the Democratic leadership has not even claimed time in opposition to this bill? Why is that? Why aren't they opposed? Now, there are a few Democrats opposed. Maybe some don't think it goes far enough, or some are opposed to the what they call corporate welfare in here. But by and large, the Democrats are not opposed to this because this is an expansion of the welfare 
state. That is what it is. Now, he's totally right about that. The, uh, the point that he's making about Democrats not claiming any time to come up and be in opposition, this does have more tax breaks for corporations. It brings in some tax breaks that were in the original 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, that expired, and it brings some of those back, but Democrats aren't opposed to it because they're getting this expansion of the child tax credit. And what they know is that this is never, it's it's not going to go away. Once you do it for a couple of years with COVID and you take a year off and uh, people are just hurting so badly that already we're talking about bringing it back, like this is something that's just not going to go away. The tax cuts for the corporations, they could expire and, and get left behind. But eventually the thing that's going to stick is going to be this expanded child tax credit. And I happen to think it's a terrible idea. They keep talking about how uh, it lifted so many people out of poverty. And no one seems to mention the inflation that happened during this time that people were getting these child tax credits either. The amount of money that people were paying extra every month for food and all that stuff, gas and all that, was was more than what people were being given. But no one seems to care, I guess, if you're the person getting the money. That's that's how it works. So, Well, and we talk about all the time, there's nothing so permanent as a temporary government program. Mm-hmm. So, And then like you get people addicted to this thing, you know, get them addicted to receiving the government benefit. And so if you take it away, then you're like, well, you'll lose your job. Mm-hmm. They're going to vote for the people who are going to give them more stuff. That know? is what happens. And we talked about this last time. We mentioned it. I don't, I don't understand how it's not bribery. <laughs> it is. Like it is bribery. I mean, it actually is does. bribery. You bribe people for votes to give away their own money back to them. And well, <laughs> give away other people's other money. Other people's money yeah. and your own money. Because yeah. everyone, everyone pays some kind of tax. Even if it's just a sales tax, you're still paying for taxes. Yeah. So, uh, I did want to. I did want to mention the way that they're paying for this, which is what we mentioned a couple weeks ago, is taking away another program that was also supposed to be temporary. So both of these things, the the earned income, the uh, earned employee retention credit, sorry, employee retention credit, and the child tax credit, the expanded one, were both supposed to be temporary COVID programs. And they are now saying that this expanded child tax credit is getting paid for by removing one of the other temporary COVID programs. Yeah, and that's how that somehow it's paid for. That makes total sense. They were both part of temporary COVID programs. And, and that makes sense. You know? Now we're getting rid of this thing and saying that that's how we're paying for it. It makes I, I just can't I can't wrap my mind around this and I can't wrap my mind around how they are actually going to call this paid for. The point is they can and people will listen to it and people will print it and the Washington Post and the New York Times will print it and they'll say it's paid for and everyone will just go on about their day. But this is not paid for. This is why the government budget never goes down. They're literally using getting rid of a temporary program as saying that they are paying for another program. It, it's a joke. Yeah. And it's ridiculous that they get away with this. I love how they, so the IRS here talks about the employee retention credit and that uh, the IRS commissioner, Danny Warfel, said that uh, he expected, the IRS expected to see a trickle of fraudulent claims 
for the ERC. Of claims, yeah, for the uh, employee retention credit. Mm-hmm. But instead, they are seeing a tsunami. Mm-hmm. Just the, the predictions of the government are always wrong. They are. I can't think of a single thing that they've gotten right. They, it's because it's, it's too difficult. Well, it's actually not, it's not as difficult as they make it out to be, but they're really, really bad at predicting human actions. You know, when you put out an incentive program for people to do something, who's going to take advantage of that? And it's very difficult, I guess, for them to predict human Could action. You but we could have told you this was going to happen, so I guess it's not hard for libertarians. Coming up, we got a little bit more on this story, and then we're going to start Don't Bleep of the Week. We got a whole bunch of submissions this week from the Fed Haters Club. That's joingml.com, GML for Good Morning Liberty. That's our daily show. But right now, we're calling Liberty at Night. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie. We're getting close to doing Dumb Bleep of the Week here pretty soon. Still in the middle of one specific uh, conversation, but we're almost there. Could you imagine if the U.S. government had to do earnings calls? (laughs) Right? Because, you know, you're not perfect on your projections. Sometimes you're projecting a quarter to, you know, sell $100 and maybe you only sell like $95. Mm Mm-hmm. Or even eighty, sometime or whatever. You In which a- case, millions of people would take away the money that they were giving you. Exactly. <laughs> and in some quarters, you project a hundred million and you make one hundred fifty, and then millions of people come in and give you more money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you're like, well, you. But you notice that the even massive corporations are not that far off on their projections, hardly ever, because they're well aware and very intricate in their dealings and what they expect. Well, they have to be right, too. There's an incentive and, there. If they're wrong, it's going to be really bad to the tune of billions of dollars of yes. people voluntarily taking their money away from them. But the government can just project like, oh, you know, if we implement this billionaire tax, we're going to get $44 billion a year. And they fail to think about the fact that billionaires would just move their money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will take it out of the stock market and they're going to put it in other investments they'll around it, the world. They'll find, a, they'll find a way to get around it. A yes. lot of them will. They'll collect more taxes than they otherwise would have from those specific people, but they might lose it in other ways. Let's talk about universal basic income for a minute. I don't see any problems with this, and neither does Nina Turner. Uh, there's a story here from Business Insider saying that Austin experimented with giving people $1,000 a month they spent the no-strings-attached cash mostly on housing. And in fact, you go into the study and you find that people were spending 
most of it on housing. They didn't run out and quit their jobs or anything like that. Uh, it overall helped the 135 people that were involved in the test program. Nina Turner said, Should people of color get more? Well, yeah. UBI, you think? Well, actually, I mean, it just should be that white people shouldn't get it. Okay. And, you know, only people of color should get it. She says, studies upon studies show just how impactful universal, universal basic income is. We should start to believe the studies and acting upon them. Uh, it's not a great sentence right there, but whatever. It's Nina Turner. So that's, that's not really, this doesn't prove that UBI works. And this is not what the kids would call cope or whatever. And, you know, when you come back and try to uh, say that that's not what this means. No, this, it doesn't prove that UBI works when you give it to 135 people. When you have a city that's got, I had no clue, 500,000 people in it, probably more than that. I don't, I don't know what it is. And you give 135 people what is $12,000 a year. You're not going to do enough damage in the economy. You're not putting out enough money into the economy to change the prices of all the goods in the economy. It's 135 people. It's as if they got a, better job, you know, yeah. and they got a little, or they got a little raise at their job. You know, you're not going to see the prices change that much when it's a small amount of people. And that's what all of these studies that she points to, whether they're in California or Denver or wherever it is that they're doing these things, they're always really, really small groups of people. And they'll say, well, look, they used it to pay for this. And now they had a, they had a better life. They were, they were less stressed out and uh, they were able to pay their rent, or maybe they got a nicer place. But now place imagine or you give that money to everyone. Yeah. Well, that's the new zero. That's exactly. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. If it's a thousand dollars a month, then now a thousand dollars equals zero. That's the new baseline. Everyone has it. Yeah. It's the same as zero at that point. Yes. And anything that people make over a thousand, well, it's the first thousand is zero. Anything above that is your actual buying power that you have out there in the economy. Exactly. Because everyone has a thousand. And so it's the entire economy works out to where so the price that's of nothing. The price of living will now raise by a thousand dollars. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Automatically. Plus tax. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so no, that's not that's not what this proves. It proves that people can do good work in helping people. Uh, in small doses in areas, and it and it probably won't affect the economy that much. Now, if you did the whole thing in one neighborhood, and everyone in this neighborhood had a thousand more, well, then probably stuff around that neighborhood. You know, your your uh, gas stations or your dollar store, or your grocery store. You could see some changes if it's all in one concentrated area uh, that people are living in. But no, 135 people out of a town of however many hundreds of thousands is not going to change the economy. When you try and do it over the entire country, it, that's when the bad stuff happens. And yeah, it's exactly right. A uh, thousand becomes zero. But also, uh, you know, you've mentioned on the show several times, we have like 50 separate countries. We do. In America. Let's, let's give the people what they want. You know, give Nina what she wants. Let's find <laughs> a state and run an experiment on the whole state. I, so I and see if that state does not become more expensive to live in than any other state. I totally agree with you, uh, and the uh, and the, I agree with the spirit of the matter. But I can't technically get behind that because just because fifty one percent of the people in Tennessee vote that they want to do this, it doesn't mean that I would want to condemn the other forty nine percent to to deal with that. So it's still wrong. 
Well, it no is. No matter where they do it. It is. If you're going to be stealing money from people and giving it to other people, it's it still is, wrong. But it'd be a, it would be a way for us to prove it. Yeah. And the people who live in that state can move out if they want to so that they don't have to deal with that. It is much better to do it on a state level instead of, instead of national. It's even better to do it on a city saying, level. If, a whole city if they want to do that. Free college, free health care, universal basic income, all reparations. <laughs> Let's try it. Try it out. Try it in a state. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Raise the taxes to 100% in that state. Like we could literally try it out. Mm-hmm. The live group is saying that we, we do have that. It's called California. Yeah, true. <laughs> Except remember, they couldn't get the, the universal yeah. health care passed. <laughs> Commie California couldn't even get it passed because they, what did they figure out? Oh, it would be too expensive and we don't have enough money for that. Um, in unrelated news to economics, of course, just bad news for people at UPS. You know, they have really good news or in the middle of last year, we saw the memes going around about UPS drivers getting paid $170,000 a year. Remember that? The big win for the unions? Yeah. Well, they're laying off 12,000 workers because uh, of pay raises and falling revenue at the company. Completely unrelated to this Probably. big union contract and to people making a ton of money there. Yep. You know, uh, there's no way it's related to it at all. I bet you could go back to our our episode <laughs> where we talk about how one of the answers to this is they're probably going to have to let go of some people. Now, what they can't do because of the union rules in the Department of Labor, they can do it. It would just be really costly for them to do so. Is that They're not firing the union employees because that would be way too difficult. They probably end up with lawsuits on their hands and, and things like that, or even more strikes. Like They can't retaliate against the union employees, uh, so says the Department of Labor. Uh, so instead, they're firing 12,000 other people who aren't represented by the union. So the people that are in the union, they're still fine. Uh, you pay your dues for a reason, man. Yeah, pay those <laughs> dues and you can screw your other coworkers out of a job. Yeah. Now, if the entire place was unionized, then they would have to get rid of some of them. But I don't know. If you want to read some of this, we can. All right. UPS plans to slash about 2% of its 500,000 person workforce. Most of the 12,000 job cuts will be full and part-time management positions and contract roles. UPS executive said no employees represent, represented by the, the union have been affected. Um, the cuts are part of the delivery giants efforts to change how it works, which include using AI and other technologies to make operations more efficient, said CEO Carl Tomei. Mm. Notably, the types of jobs the company has decided to trim suggest how hard it is to automate the labor intensive work of being a delivery driver. UPS also reported that revenue plunged 9.3% last year. The company posted an adjusted operating profit of $9.9 billion, down 28.7% from 2022 when they price gouged everyone. Yeah. You know? Why aren't they why won't they just price gouge everyone now? Remember when that's what I would do if profit, I would, I would institute price gouging. Well, in twenty twenty two they were they were part of the conspiracy for profit to be over half of the reason why inflation mm-hmm. was so high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was part of And then them. in twenty twenty three they were like, Oh, we can't participate in this conspiracy anymore. Well, they're not greedy. They've probably fired the greedy people. That was the first step right here, is they that's, got rid of the greedy people. That's right. Uh, afterwards, and that's why their profit went down by twenty eight point seven percent. Of course. And the problem with unions, one of the problems, one of the thousand problems with unions is that you can't account for this kind of stuff. You know, they, their profits, their operating profit goes down by almost 30%. 
well, now you can't go in there and just fire a whole bunch of the union employees that are making a ton of money. They're going to make it too hard for you uh, to do that. What was that trucking company that went bankrupt? Um, was it Yellow? Is that what it was? Is that the ones that you know they got Yellow? Only it's in orange it's on an the orange side of the truck. Says Yellow. Yeah, yeah. They went. Uh, they went bankrupt, and one of the reasons that they pinpointed because their painter was colorblind. That was one of the big problems. No one could understand. Yeah, um, they're going to do orange, but nothing rhymes with that. So what are you going to do? Yeah. So one of the things they pinpointed was that the union had made it impossible for them to restructure their company and they could not get rid of the people or decrease their hours that they needed to get rid of to try and get back in the green with their money. And so they ended up having to file bankruptcy. God. And, and it's so, better. It's better that these people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, they can go work at UPS. Yeah. <laughs> Pete drivers over there. So let's just, here's the deal. Economics is the most important thing. Okay. That's why we try to talk about it as much as possible on this podcast. Uh, people lose jobs. They lose livelihoods. Um, the government consistently screws up economics. And I hate unions about as much as I do governments because I consider them to be governments. You know, they're backed up by the gun of the government anyway. So they might as well be their own governments. Um, and it's not because we don't want workers to have rights, mm-hmm. right? Or it's not because we don't want people to have good working conditions or whatever. It's, it's important that the employee and employer relationship is good for both parties, Mm -hmm. but employees and employers should be able to come together to make those agreements. The best way to make that happen. It works based off competition and labor being able to move. And it gives the employer the incentive to treat their employee well so that they don't, leave and go to the competition. Mm-hmm. And that's how it would all work in a free market without all of these other things that aren't part of the free market at play, which then get blamed on the free market. It's dumb bleep of the week. That's right. That is the day of the week. Every single Friday of the week when we want to, where we go live to the Fed Haters Club. We hang out with them. We go through some of the submissions for the dumbest thing of the week. I think... Every single submission except for one came from the live group this week. So How about that? If, it, if the show sucks, you blame them. You blame the <laughs> Fed Haters Club. It's not me. We didn't put this together. We're going to be presenting other people's submissions for Dumb Leap of the Week to you I guys. I would say these folks scoured the webs for the dumbest they things, did. but you don't have to actually scour the web. Yeah. No, they're, they're dumb the, for sure. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of dumb stuff on here. It just appears. Yes. Yeah. It's in your feed every day. Mm-hmm. It's the dumbest things. Pretty much. I could I could open up Twitter right now and we'll probably find a dumb bleep submission. And then you're like, these people vote. Yeah. And should they vote? No. I. Well, how do you know, you bigot? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did you yeah. see what color they were before you said that? I assumed. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, we could have just gone with this one from Bernie Sanders. He just said something. Uh, he just said something real dumb that could have made dumb bleep of the week. Although oh, is this number it's not, one? This is, this is, this is not one. I'm just oh. showing you an example of how easy it would be to find a dumb bleep at any minute. Bernie Sanders just said, "If a CEO offers a member of Congress five dollars to vote for a bill, it's considered bribe and a crime. If a CEO starts a super PAC and raises tens of millions for that member, it's perfectly legal. Why is this allowed?" Well, I responded back with. Um, if a politician offers you $5 to vote for them, it's a crime. 
But if a politician promises to take $5 from your neighbor and give it to you and calls it a welfare payment, it's perfectly legal. <laughs> See, just zero self-awareness there from Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So anyhow, that's that's just how easy it is to find potential things that could be on Dumb Leap of the Week. But you don't have to. You could just come here. Yeah, that's, and we'll, that's we how find you find it for them. you. But that wasn't one of them. No, that, was, that was an example. It's a warm up. Yeah. Like if we were to we try were and just find one. Stretching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just, yeah. It's kind of getting our legs under <laughs> us right now for doing this early show yeah. at the moment. Well, let's actually look at number one. It has to do with the border down in Tejas. Uh, they've been talking about this border reform bill that they could get passed through Congress. I guess if the Republicans wanted to compromise, as you know, all the stuff going on with the border. Down there in Tejas, it's getting messy. Maybe we'll have a civil war. Maybe we won't. Uh, Mike Johnson, that's the Speaker of the House. He's a real person, apparently, uh, from what I'm told. Wasn't real sure to start with. He said any border shutdown authority that allows even one illegal crossing is a non-starter. Thousands each day is outrageous. The number must be zero. So just so you know, their compromise bill is a bill that essentially allows what's happening right now to keep happening up to... The, this is the word on the street, up to like 5,000 people a day mm. coming across the border illegally. And if it goes over that, then they'll do something. But like, five, you know, 5,000 or lower, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. And so Mike Johnson's saying, well, that's not. It's like, that's it's not like allowing just a few pieces of mouse turds in your food. Just a few. Yeah. Okay. Well, we actually do do that. Though. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, the, that's what the government takes a stance on. It's more like, well, let's, you know? let's look at Brian Krasner. To protect time. you. It's a little bit more like allowing just a few murders, but if it goes over, you know, a hundred, we're going to start saying the murder is yeah. illegal. You <laughs> right. know, that's a little bit more like it. But Brian Krasenstein doesn't see it that way. What's he say, Charlie? He says, "Imagine if Mike Johnson applied this irrational and irresponsible line of thinking to all of our laws. Let's only enact laws to stop murder if we can stop a hundred percent of murders. Let's only enact laws to stop mass shootings if we can stop a hundred percent of mass shootings." Those are the same laws. Let's only enact laws to stop sexual assault if we can stop 100% of sexual assault. Let's only enact laws to stop fentanyl if we can stop 100% of all fentanyl. Start legislating and stop politicizing everything. So those are all really bad examples. I think he completely missed the point here. His his example is let's only enact laws to stop murder if we can stop 100% of the murders. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that you're going to allow 5,000 murders and you're only going to care after there's 5,000. Right. That would be an actual analogy uh, comparing to what this law is, if you're talking about people breaking a law and allowing them to do that. So you're not saying, well, if we can't stop all the murders, it's not going to be illegal. You're saying someone proposed a law that said, let's allow 5,000 murders and then we're not going to do anything unless it's over that. That's what you're actually saying. So that's dumb. Yeah. Just so you know. Well, also, by the way, if, if, if they make crossing illegal, illegal again. <laughs> That's not as good of a tagline. We'll have to, what are the, uh, what's, the what's the acronym for that? If, if they do that, they're still going to be illegal crossings. They are. Just like murder is illegal, but they're still murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, have you seen Dateline? I've seen Dateline. Yeah, I've yeah. seen all of them, all 32 seasons of it. There's plenty of murders that Quite still happen. Lot. It's been illegal for a long time. Um, speaking of Joe Biden says he just can't do anything about the border and we're going to put in our disclaimer. We're going to leave out the fact that we're libertarians and have nuanced views about immigration and the border. Okay. But it is kind of dumb to see Biden up here saying that he just doesn't have the power to do anything 
about this, and he needs a brand new law that gives him a bunch of powers to yeah. enforce actual laws that are on the books right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what he's saying. Not all I can do. Just give me the power. The very day I got it off. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people to judge. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. They always do interviews out by like a, a jet that's about to take off or a helicopter or something that's super loud, you know? Mm-hmm. That way you can't hear how old he is. Give me the, bow, give me the power. <laughs> give way, me the border patrol. Sir, the way, border patrol's under your command. <laughs> it sounds perfectly normal the way he's speaking because there's something really loud in the background. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee you that's strategic on their part, a lot of these interviews. Now, the thing is, uh, Mike Johnson actually put out a pretty good synopsis. Uh, Biden has taken 64 different executive actions to either remove things that Trump did or to take away some of the powers that people had to stop illegal immigration. Once again, I'm not really making an argument for or against immigration or illegal immigration. The dumb part about this is Biden all of a sudden pretending that for him to take any actions, it would take an act of Congress. He doesn't pay attention to that when it comes to bombing other countries. Hmm. Doesn't pay attention to that when it comes to student loan relief. Doesn't pay attention to that when it comes to mandating vaccines for people. He doesn't, doesn't care about that. But in this case, he's able to put it all on Congress and say, well, I just can't do anything. They just won't give me the power to undo the things that I've already done since I got here. You yeah. know, they just can't do it. Politicians, man, they're all liars. I tell you what. Mm-hmm. Uh, all but a all but a few. There's a select few that all right. maybe aren't liars. Number two. This is from last week, but we missed it. Mm. I missed it because yeah. you weren't here, and so I wanted to make sure we got it in here. Okay. Erection selection. Chucky Schumer calls for federal action. This is a given name on Zen nicotine pouches. Those darn pouches mm-hmm. are just you know you you ban them for kids and they just switch to putting things in their mouth like kids do. You know? <laughs> it's just, they're always putting stuff in their they're mouth. Always putting stuff in their mouth. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say about these Zen pouches. Here's a CBS news report Action to crack down on a product called Zen. He says the nicotine pouches pose a danger to teens as they use them as an alternative to e-cigarettes. Pouch packed with problems, high levels of nicotine. So today I'm delivering a warning to parents because these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids, teenagers, and even lower, and then use the social... Now, hold on. The nicotine pouches, they lock their sights on, on young kids. <laughs> the, the pouches. They're pretty smart, but there's a lot of tech... They're not just packed with problems. They're packed with brilliant technology and the fact inside that they can of them. see through the case that they're in, even. <laughs> I know. You know? It's omnipresent nicotine pouches <laughs> that we're the dealing shelf, with right here. Just watching kids go by the gas station. Malevolent little pouches. Locking eyes on them. <laughs> Let me see what if he said anything else. Senator Schumer. Okay, that's enough. Um, yeah. So he's taking it upon, it's time for them to warn parents about this. Um, You're telling me you banned e-cigarettes and then now they're, now they're doing pouches. Well, the problem is they're using these pouches as an alternative to vaping. Because you can get away with it a little bit easier. But the thing is, they're doing vaping as an alternative to smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Which are also way more dangerous. The thing is, kids are going to do nicotine. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. People people do nicotine. Yeah. Probably about the most addictive drug there is out there. And does this make it easier? Of course it does. I'd say caffeine is over nicotine. but Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. Um, People can't seem to get away from caffeine. Yeah. 
I, I hear people are drinking caffeine. Which one days. would you rather not have for the next week? Uh, you got seven days. You can either go without nicotine or without caffeine. Hmm. Me? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Ca- I, didn't, I don't want to go without caffeine. Mm, okay. Yeah. I got you. I can handle the nicotine. <laughs> yeah. I bet you can. <laughs> I bet you can. The other thing is, I, I, we keep seeing these things that just take responsibility off of parents. We talked about the social media hearing yesterday where it's uh, going to be on the government to get in there and control these social media companies. Oh, and Mark Zuckerberg has blood on his hands. He's got blood. Lindsey Graham told him that he has blood <laughs> on him. That could have been a dumb bleep right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a little bit ridiculous. And we keep just taking responsibility off of parents. I know you don't mean to, but you got blood on your hands. <laughs> That was pretty good. I like that. <laughs> that was a good Lindsey Graham right there. Yeah. Um, I happen to believe as someone who doesn't have kids, and so it's easy for me to say that it should be the responsibility of parents to make sure that their kids aren't doing stuff. If you want to buy, you can buy little nicotine test strips off of Amazon if you want to and test your kids. And if you see that they're positive for for nicotine, well, take their phone away or, or beat them with a stick, you know? Either one of those <laughs> Make things. Make them both pick a switch. Yeah. You know? Remember those Whichever days? You one. can't do that anymore. Though, I think mate. that's where we went wrong. In fact, we should ban switches. I think you could draw a clear line from when it became wrong to hit your kid <laughs> and the downfall of our society. Yeah. I think they both started at the same time. I heard that from a comedian the other night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, did he say that? He said, keep warm, stay safe, and beat your kids. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only I'm partly joking. I do. I promise you I'm partly joking. Okay, Um, let's see. There was a little bit of words on that, but I don't think we I don't think we need it. It's just it's what's going to happen. I mean, there's always going to be a black market there. People are going to find a way to do what they want to do. It doesn't matter what you're going to ban smoking and vaping and alcohol, whatever. People are going to turn to pouches. Next will be the patch, Mm -hmm. you know, the toothpicks, the you know, and they're going to get the injectable, you know, that slowly releases <laughs> yeah. nicotine over time. They'll be shooting nicotine. You only have to get, you know, one every six months. <laughs> Just get that little bead in your arm. Okay. That's, that's it. That's dumb bleep number two. Uh, Chucky erection Schumer. The, the next one here, I already put it in there. Um, that's a, uh, we're, we're only through two dumb bleeps right now. So we got at least like eight or nine more coming right up you want to be ready we're going to see who the live group the fed haters club is going to vote for to be the dumbest thing this week on liberty at night with nate and charlie on the free talk live network free talk live what's up y'all this is liberty at night with nate and charlie on the free talk live network we're currently in the middle of dumb bleep of the week the fat haters club been hanging out live with us and they're going to vote on what the dumbest thing is we already did two of them so let's get on to number three the next one in here is uh on msnbc they've got eugene carroll now eugene carroll recently became uh, a millionaire i guess if she ends up ever getting some uh money from donald trump but she got the $83 $83 million judgment. She already got, I think, a $5 million judgment. So got about $88 million that Donald Trump owes her right now. Mm. And Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they're just going to put some tariffs on some people and, and uh, they're mm-hmm. probably going to pay for it. But anyway, they asked her on the show what she was going to do with this money to help women's rights. Like if she had some big plans 
with the money because, you know, she got um, sexually assaulted allegedly by the uh, by by President Trump. Of course, that definitely happened, 100%. And so let's see what her reaction was, how she's going to further women's rights. And you just watch the very, very awkward reaction from everyone that's with her as well. You've talked about using some of Trump's money you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, or, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such a... Such great ideas for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? No? Oh, all right, all right. Okay. That's a joke. Look at the people next to her. They're like, Although if, oh, if me fishing in France could yeah. do something for women's rights, I would take the hit. You know, I would obviously uh, take one for the team. All right, let me, let me, uh, as if, as if you need persuasion in that regard. Let me, let me. So awkward. <laughs> that was a joke. It's a joke. The lady on the end. That was yeah. a joke. She's kidding. I don't think she's kidding. How does I, she kind of sound like the female version of Donald Trump there? A little bit. She almost sounds like you a, want fishing in France. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a slightly less drunk Nancy Pelosi to me. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, what I see in this clip is a woman who was just ecstatic about the fact that she was able to find a jury of people who hated Donald Trump to award her $88 million yeah. from Trump. And she feels like she just won the lottery. And while they're trying to seriously ask her about what she's going to do about women's rights, she's just thinking about all the shopping she's about to do. Now, she needs to be careful. She might end up getting sexually assaulted in the dressing room. So that she, I'm sure she's got a lot of you know pent-up trauma about that. Yeah. So she'll probably get a personal Well, now she can afford for. security. That's true. To That's hang true. out in the dressing room yeah. with her. If, yeah. she, if it did happen... Then I feel bad for all those jokes, but it didn't happen. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was uh, number. I mean, I could three I, women's rights or you know women's suffrage has been solved now. Oh, it has. Yeah, you know the thing, one Shopping. thing. One thing I notice is women are really good at stealing money from men. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that's true. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's one of the main things. Yep. I think that they've evolved <laughs> to do. Yeah. They, they like to take at least half of things they didn't earn. All right. Let's go to uh, Iowa. That wasn't based on personal experiences no, or no, anything. No, no, That's no. just broad culture. No, speaking. definitely not. Yeah. You're not actually drawing a, from any experiences it was a that joke. you have. Yeah. Um, will you put that one in the group while I'm. Okay. <clears throat> number four. Sorry, I didn't number them today. Number four. U.S. Navy veteran Michael Cassidy has been charged with a hate crime. What did he do? Well, Charlie, he beheaded a statue of Satan at the Iowa Capitol. Mm. They had a statue up there. I guess it was a satanic statue. I remember this whole thing going on up there in Iowa, and he, he beheaded it. And now he's getting charged with a hate crime mm. for doing such thing because it was against someone's religion. Yeah, is the uh, is the thing. Um, is go ahead, a, Charlie. This is a hate 
crime? It's a hate crime. I mean, maybe vandalism or something. But it's, I would, I totally would say that it's vandalism for hmm. sure. Seems Didn't, like hate crime's a little harsh. Doesn't Satan have slaves? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Navy Reserve veteran Michael Cassidy has been charged with a hate crime after he beheaded, beheaded a satanic statue in the Iowa State Capitol, according to a Tuesday press statement from local attorney's office. Cassidy, who said that he was committing an act of Christian civil disobedience after he destroyed a pagan statue that was displayed in the Iowa Capitol, made national headlines for his actions. Mm. Okay. Back oh, to that's you, one, Nate. That's one thing. There, here's some more. Sorry. I was, I was messing around with the screens. All right. Hicks said in a statement that based on information from the Satanic Temple. It's the, early, Charlie. The okay. cost to replace or repair the statue would have been between $750 to $1,500, making its destruction an aggravated misdemeanor. Uh, in fact, the temple was filed, uh, has filed oh, a damage weird. estimating putting the cost to replace the statue at $3,000. What makes the charge a felony? Uh, he said, is the hate crime statute. Cassidy's attorney has written in court filings that the Satanic Temple, which organized the pagan display, was intended to evoke strong emotions and incite others. Inci- I thought incitement was against... Incitement's bad, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, So they incited this to happen. Right. In a statement following the destruction of the statue, Iowa Republican Governor Kim Reynolds said she found the statue absolutely objectionable, but that the best response to object- objectionable speech is more speech and prayer. Okay. Hate crime, Charlie, where you come down on those? They're ridiculous. Yeah. So you're fine with hate crimes? No. (laughs) No, I think... You don't have a problem with them? No, I don't like them because it's already a crime to vandalize something. Why do you got to add some type of kicker? (laughs) How is it hate? Don't you always hate something when you commit some type of act? You know, when I spit on the sidewalk, it's because I hate the sidewalk. Yeah. You know? Like if you vandalize someone's, let's say that you like. Because spitting on sidewalk is still illegal in a lot of states, say by you the way. slash someone's tires, mm-hmm. you know? That's he a, hates these tires. That's a hate crime against the person. That's that against used, the tires. He hates the tires. That's true. He hates it. Just like he hates the cans. Exactly. I know. But, you know, someone. Stay sl- away from the tires. Someone slashes your tires or breaks your windshield or something. Well, that's a hate crime, right? That's done out of hate, but I guess it's only when it's a specific group. And in this instance, it's the uh, satanic temple. Mm. Sure, they got a right to religion, to the free exercise thereof in a state building, I guess. Everybody <laughs> has a like right to be else. stupid. Yeah. That's totally fine, whatever. <clears throat> hate yeah. crimes are ridiculous. Just like just the Ten Commandments are allowed to remain up mm-hmm. in these places. <laughs> kind of weird, I guess. Yeah. All right, that was number four. There's this new game out there. Am I going to pronounce it? Is it called Pal World? Pal World? Or Paul World? I have no idea. Is anyone out there playing this Pal World? Apparently, it's a very popular game. Now, PETA, that's not some guy named Peter. I'm talking about PETA, you know, the animal people. They're upset about this Pal World game because it uh, has way too much animal cruelty. And they want like a vegan version of this game uh, where it makes it fair for vegan people to come in and play this specific game. Let me fill you in just a little bit. Pal World <laughs> Pal World Does is the Does have a whole team working on this? They're just going to 
Pal World is the most popular game in the world right now. It's currently dominating the Steam charts and every metric. Is that a chart that has games on it's it? It's like Billboard, I guess, for video games. <laughs> I have no I idea. I don't know. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Oh, you can tell how many games we play. Yeah. Uh, with a peak player count of over 2 million, the game's success is record-breaking. Of course, the hit survival creature collection title is not without its detractors. Pal World has been steeped in drama since its early access launch with the, devel- with the developers have reportedly received death threats over unsubstantiated claims of AI usage and plagiarism of Pokemon models. So mm. that's a thing to threaten death over, I would say, is uh, yeah. maybe using Pokemon models. I don't know. One claim that's a little easier to back up, depending on your perspective, is the Power World glorifies animal cruelty. The assertion has been backed by many on social media and even animal rights nonprofit PETA has caught wind of it. Um, How do you catch wind? <clears throat> I'm not sure. PETA, let's see, this is them addressing the animal cruelty in Pal World. Maybe some of y'all play this out there. I've just never heard of the thing. Playing devil's advocate, it's understandable that some people would perceive Pal World's gameplay as justification of animal cruelty. It certainly rewards a sort of ruthless pragmatism relating to the treatment of your adorable pals. Mm. Can someone tell me what you do in this game? I didn't play it in preparation for this dumb bleep. Yeah. Has okay. anybody played Pal World? Does anyone know what someone what in do live you do? group has to have because there's over two million of y'all playing this game? When you're not beating, hacking, or shooting at them, Pal World revolves around forcing them into indentured servitude and efficient little work camps. If you're particularly cruel, those who step out of line due to poor working conditions can be butchered and fed to the others. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder this game is so popular. <laughs> Not that we condone that sort of thing, mind you. The topic of animal cruelty in Power World may not have received as much traction as other criticisms, but it's reached the ears of PETA, responding to questions about the topic from the folks at Insider Gaming, the animal rights organization, related suggestions of a vegan guide for the game. I got a suggestion. How about uh, vegans just don't play the game? You know, they just play yeah. a different game, like uh, one of those games where you farm stuff or mm-hmm. something, you know, Farmville or whatever. But not animals. I'm talking about growing crops. So the live group is saying it's like communism. Okay. Yeah. All right, I got you. Well, it sounds pretty communism yeah. so far. <laughs> Only apparently there's always stuff to eat. Uh, quote, PETA has already heard from many Power World fans who have no interest in eating pals and want a vegan guide created for the game. Just don't play the game. Play a different game. I'm not going to contact also, Call of Duty and say I'm against war and give me like a peaceful option for Call of Duty. I'm a libertarian. That's ridiculous. Let me talk to the guy <laughs> and convince him to to lay down his arms versus shooting him. Give me the option God. for diplomatic responses on the map. <laughs> uh, let me see. Also, here's the thing. They say you can't eat berries, but they don't offer as much nutrition as the animals do. So you're at a disadvantage in the game as a vegan person. It's all make-believe. It's a game. It's a game. These are virtual animals. People, stop giving your money to PETA. They're paying attention to video games. (laughs) Come on, man. All right. Oh, it's too early for this. I know. <laughs> At this point, we're just like, oh, even. God. This really is dumb. This. this really is dumb. Um, let's see. I'm going to put Pete in find, here for number they'll five. They'll find something. Oh, yeah. They will. For oh, everything. God. We made it to this one already. All right, number this six. This is a difficult one. We got to read. Well, folks, as many of you know, back in 2017, my wife and I bought a house in 
Nashville, Tennessee. It was a massive risk, but it's turned into a massive asset for the two of us. We've spent tons of time and money remodeling and making this place our own, a comfortable place to carry us into the future with our little nieces and nephews and our family coming to visit all the time. Things like this are worth protecting, and making an estate plan now means we can gain security and peace of mind for ourselves and our loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $159. Go to trustandwill.com slash GML for 10% off plus free document shipping. We're currently using Trust and Will's simple-to-use website to build our will. I'm amazed by how easy this website makes it to do something that's so important. Think about it. If something happens to my wife and I and we don't have a will, who gets to decide what happens to our assets? The government. Uh, no, thank you. But I don't trust them to even resurface the roads that go to my house, let alone decide what happens to my biggest asset after I'm gone. I've seen it happen with other members of my family when they passed. They didn't have a will, and man, was it a mess for their family to get everything sorted out afterwards. I know it's not something we like to think about, but it can happen to any of us at any time. Well, get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will, an overall rating of excellent and thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot and used by hundreds of thousands of families and counting. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash GML. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash GML. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, it's January, so everyone's thinking new year, new me, right? But what if there are some things that you're already doing right and could just be expanded on? I started keeping a calendar at the end of last year, trying to get better organized with my crazy life schedule. Maybe you're like Charlie and you've already shed 80 pounds of extra weight and you just have a little further to go. Well, therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. As you know, I've done therapy in the past and found it to be extremely helpful. It's not just for those that have major trauma, although it's perfect for that too. But it's also for people that want to learn positive coping skills and how to set healthy boundaries and how to be the best, the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash GML. This is, so we're not going to fully be able to go through this whole article. I read the entire thing last night. It's pretty lengthy. Um, we're not going to be able to do the whole thing right now. Maybe spend some more time on it next week. But uh, thank you to whoever, I think it was Neil that put this in. The uh, submission, pretty sure. So anyway, Charlie, let's uh, double team this one real quick. All right. Will the U.S., so this is number six, will the U.S. and Argentine flirtation with libertarianism end in disaster? That's that's a question to pose. Yeah. is I just want to ask, though, is the U.S. flirting with libertarianism? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, apparently we are, um, according to this, according to this uh, sub stack. He says, just turn everything over to the morbidly rich. 
and let them and their companies run the entire country along with the profit motive lines. What could possibly go wrong? Well, it looks like, according to this graphic there, we're gonna this is gonna turn into Space Jam. You know, the Monstars, you know. They went to chat GPT and they said And they're gonna make me a morbidly rich man. And they're gonna chain up Michael Jordan and LeBron James for all, all right. the people to come see. Usually it's Republican politicians bragging that they're that they're more libertarian than conservative, but this time it's a former Democrat, Bobby Kennedy Jr., RFK, who's reportedly thinking of running for president on the Libertarian Party ticket. God, people on the left are so good at getting out in front of things. Mm-hmm. Like they catch just a tiny like snippet of something. Yeah. And they will jump out in front of it and bring light to it. Yeah. But in a negative way. <laughs> so that when people so that when you hear about it for a second time, you've already got the negative got some kind of preconceived notion town. about whatever it is. They're really good mm-hmm. at that. They get out ahead really easily. This bizarre experiment of libertarianism, now officially a political party with ballot access in all 50 states, now it's been a party for 40 years, 50, 50, 50 years, has been promoted by the billionaire class ever since World War II. And it's literally <laughs> killing some of us along with threatening our democratic republic. I've got a question for you as a libertarian person, although not a big L. If this is some kind of major threat that's been supported by the billionaire class since World War II, why doesn't the Libertarian Party get more than like one to three percent of the vote? They should be dominating why, every election. Why they got a hard why they have a hard time raising money? Why do they have a hard time getting in all fifty states on the ballots if this if it's this major billionaire class mm-hmm. push since World War II? Where yep. is all that money? That's what I want to know of. I don't know. Well, it's hidden. I guess under mattresses. Yes. Okay. Reporter Mark Ames uh, documents how, back in the 1940s, a real estate lobbying group... <laughs> Hold on, Nate, the engineer said, because it's only the top 1% to vote for him. That's oh, yeah. why they get 1%. That's right. That's a, that's a great point. Makes that sense. Math, yeah, that math <laughs> seems not racist. So, all right. Uh, back in the 1940s, a real estate lobbying group came up with the idea of creating a new political party to justify deregulating the real estate and finance industries so they could make more money. This new libertarian party would give an ideological and political cover to their goal of becoming government free, and they developed an elaborate pretense of governing philosophy around it. This this entire philosophy of libertarianism, just so you know, sprouted. Is to enslave other people yes. to, to billionaires. Yes, and it sprouted from these guys in the 1940s who wanted to deregulate the real estate and finance industries thus born all of our famous libertarian authors that we know of that came out of, they were all actually working for these guys the whole they were working time for the real estate yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Their principal argument was that if everybody acted separately and independently in all cases with maximum selfishness, such behavior would actually benefit society. There would be no government needed beyond an army and a police force and a court system to defend the rights of property owners It was a freakish twisting of Adam Smith's reference to the invisible hand that regulated trade among nations. Actually, i tell you what, what they just named out right there sounded pretty good. It Uh, was a freakish twisting of Adam Smith's reference. Well, here's the thing. Adam Smith didn't write that book in the 1800s. It was in the... (laughs) Until these real estate guys got together in the 1940s. Yeah, it was the 1700s for that book. And they went back... 
into the 1700s to tell Adam Smith, like, hey, please write. Well, they're rich. They built a time machine. Please. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But they just twisted his words, I Mm -hmm. guess is what happened. They pretend that things will simply run themselves, but they're wrong. Gutting government leaves a huge power vacuum that will inevitably be filled by the nation's oligarchs. That's how it's worked all over the world for 7,000 or more years. What do we have right? What do we have right now? You know, we've got the biggest government ever in the history of all mankind. It's democracy, Nate. Right now we have democracy. You got to protect it. And we got these same people complaining that we have these oligarchs and this billionaire class and they're the ones running everything. All the while, we've got the most regulations, the most government, the most taxes out of our GDP, all these things that we've ever had in history of America and the biggest government that's ever existed. And what this is libertarianism, that's what's happened. But if you get rid of that, there's going to be a power vacuum and the rich are going to control things. Yeah. So they both complain that with the biggest government ever... Because the people who control things right now aren't rich. <laughs> they're literally <laughs> saying right now, the complaining, we've got the biggest government ever and it's the rich that control everything. But if you get rid of the government, it's going to be the rich that control everything. You wouldn't want that. Mm, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> so which is, this is why there's one question that always stops libertarians dead in their tracks when they come on or call into my radio TV program to proclaim the wonders of their political ideology. Please name one country anywhere in the world. This is his question to all these libertarians. Any time in the last 7,000 years where libertarianism has succeeded and produced general peace and prosperity. And we'll get... Charlie's answer to this super, super difficult question that this guy always uses to stump all of the libertarians that come on his radio show. Coming right up on Liberty Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Please name one country anywhere in the world. This is his question to all these libertarians. Any time in the last 7,000 years where libertarianism has succeeded and produced general peace and prosperity. Uh, America. I would say the the beginnings of America minus enslaving human beings. Yes. <laughs> would be a pretty good example of that. I think you can look at a chart of 7,000 years and see uh, the peace and prosperity of humankind skyrocket especially prosperity of humankind skyrocket and it sort of coincides with america being founded and saying that people have individual rights Mm -hmm. and can freely interact and trade with one another we've slowly started to mess that up over time but yeah that's a pretty good example yeah but he's pulling you know it's an interesting question because when socialists say well they've never tried real socialism that wasn't real socialism when someone like that asks that question to me, the first thing that happens in my mind is I say, well, they never tried real libertarianism. Yeah. Have they? Have they tried real libert? Has, has libertarianism been instituted in a country, truly? I think the beginnings of America is pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing. The thing is, they're, they're right. No one actually did whatever the perfect utopian vision of socialism or communism is, Marxist, whatever. They tried to do that. And in the effort of trying to institute that, 
they killed a hundred million people. Yeah. In the process, because it turns out you just end up having to kill everyone. In the efforts of trying libertarianism (laughs) in America, although it's Mm -hmm. outgrown libertarianism now, uh, we created the greatest country to ever ever exist. So what you have to ask is, (laughs) let's try to move towards libertarian utopia, which doesn't exist, or let's try to move towards socialist utopia, which doesn't exist. Which one actually has, once we screw it up, human beings, men, and mostly women, once we screw it up, Which one is still way better than the other one? It's it's clearly the people that are moving yep. towards in, individualism. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> Luis and I, this is the author again, were in Argentina during their election in November, and Javier Millet, the new president, claims he's going to impose libertarianism on that country to fix their economic woes. So far, though, he's just making inflation worse and causing millions to lose benefits as he shuts down the Argentine social safety net. Again, no country in history has ever made libertarianism work. If it had, that country would be on the tip of every libertarian's tongue. The way democratic socialists talk about Scandinavia, where the full-on social democracy and regulated capitalism experiment has succeeded for generations. Yeah, but that's not socialism. Yeah. Like, Democratic socialists talk about those places because they like the welfare system. But it's not socialism. It's not Marxism. They have, even compared to us, very unregulated capitalism. For business. For business, yes. They just have high taxes on the people that live there. And that's that's what they've done. They've they've got a, a money farm. It's called people. And that, so we're not going to go through this whole article. We're we're not even a quarter way into this article right now. I do want to point out to you, it spends a long time talking about I'm Rand. That's how I ended up reading the entire thing. At one point in this article, they say the words libertarian, libertarian Donald Brumsfeld. <laughs> okay. We're not going to get all the way to that, but I want to let you know that they call Rumsfeld a libertarian in this article, and he was trying to get us closer to libertarianism, too. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they just, this person doesn't get it. Tom Hartman is this guy. Yeah. I think I should know who that guy is, but I don't, so I'm sorry. Also, let's just say, like, you, we have to all agree that there's, like, as and I think Costco points this out, too, utopia is impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like creating heaven on earth, right? It's not not possible with the infallibles of human beings but let's just ask the moral question you know is it better to let people be free to make their own decisions or is it better to control every decision that they make which one's better which one which direction should you move toward there's there's actually only one moral answer and that's not saying that you have control and ownership over other human beings Yes, that's the way to do it. And socialists will say that, well, you know, socialism would work if people were just better and were, you know, thinking about the better good and and all that and and doing the right things. But the thing is, so libertarianism would work better if people were better too. Yeah, we talked, and we also talked about America, except for slavery. But here's the thing: the reason why slaves were not considered a person, remember the three fifths compromise, is because if they were considered people, it would have gone against the ideology that America was founded on, which is why they had to basically deem slaves as property yeah, and not actual people. If you want to try because and defend slavery, Charlie, I'm not that's trying to, fine. But I'm not trying to defend slavery. I'm just saying it goes against the ideology, which is why they define them as property and not people. Mm. Because the ideology that America was founded on was 
libertarian-ish ideas. I'm just speaking for myself here, but I think slavery was wrong. It it was wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> Still is wrong. Okay, let's move on. We're only on number, that was number six. Uh, number seven, pretty easy one. We're not going to go real far into it because we've already talked about it twice this week. But I did say it was the dumbest thing I had heard. And uh, using hyperbole, I said in my entire life, I don't think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That was hyperbolic. I do apologize. Number seven is the Chiefs, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Joe Biden endorsement. Mm. Conspiracy theory. It's not the conspiracy theory that they're trying to bump up the ratings for the NFL. That one could at least make some sense. But the idea that somehow this entire thing has happened so they can get Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to endorse Joe Biden is really, really, really dumb. And I'm sorry. I'll, I'll say it straight to your face on Discord that it's really dumb. Uh, let's go on to... the. Just so we can skip over that, we don't need... Oh, there was a really funny thing here, though. Did you see the Babylon Bee's headline no, on this? No. But David Leavitt, <clears throat> I think, thought that this was somehow a real headline. Here's the Babylon Bee's headline. <laughs> and he has multiple tweets yeah, yeah. about this. I'm, I think he thought it was actually real. Um, he said, someone was paid to type this. Here's the headline. Conservatives uncover Democrat plot to turn Taylor Swift into an international pop star and the Kansas City Chiefs into a dynasty so Swift could date a Chiefs player and leverage the collective media coverage to get Joe Biden reelected. <laughs> <laughs> Good news is the Babylon Bee also thinks that this conspiracy theory is ridiculous because <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> yeah. And David Leavitt said, how did this title get by an editor? Um, it's a joke. That's yeah. how the title got through. That's uh, an editor. They were kidding. Just so you know. Just um, so you know. All right, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Number eight. Is number eight. It's a video. Thank God we get a video of Nancy Pelosi talking. Been waiting this entire time plants, I think. to hear her. She's talking about ceasefire protesters. You know, those people who want bombs to stop killing people in Gaza. We don't have to get into an Israel-Gaza conversation mm -hmm. right now. But there's people that are protesting. Did you see the Babylon Bee headline, by the way? Gaza calls Gaza calls for the end of violence in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. <laughs> that was good. Reminded the, me of the onion back I mean, in the day. Chicago stepped right into it by voting for a ceasefire in <laughs> Gaza when you're a city that's known for gun violence. Yeah. I mean, you just step right into it. That's mm -hmm. that's on you at that point. Well, she's got some words for these people that are running around protesting. Uh, the uh, Israel-Gaza conflict. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. What? Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected uh, to Russia. And I say that... <laughs> having looked at this for a long time now, as you, you know. You think some of these protests are Russian plants? I don't think they're plants. I think some financing should be investigated. And I want to ask the, the uh, FBI to investigate that. <laughs> but for them to call for a cease... Okay. <laughs> Wait, ceasefire protests in Gaza? The Gaza ceasefire protesters... Are Russian financed. Are Russian financed protesters. Yeah. It's Putin's message. 
it really, just like his price hikes. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to say, <laughs> uh, which thanks to him for lowering the prices in America. Yeah. I mean, we don't give him enough credit yeah, for that. That's true. Yeah. You know? Um, I think this is what happens when you lived inside of the, uh, Russia, Russia, Russia bubble for so long, you know, the, uh, the witch hunt, the Russia witch hunt, the hoax, the Russia hoax, that now you have something that, in my opinion, is completely unrelated to Russia, but who knows? I guess I'm not a big foreign policy expert. It seems kind of unrelated. I know it's not completely because, you know, we're all countries on the same earth and all that. Um, but when you see these people doing something that you don't like, now they've been protesting outside her house. It was actually a really funny video I forgot to bring in of her. They protest outside her house and she told one of them to go back to China. <laughs> I was trying to watch the video and see if the person was Asian because that would have been hilarious. <laughs> but now it's not just Russia, it's China too, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. There's no way that there are people who actually don't like the fact that there's been like 25,000 or so people killed, you know, and a lot of them women and children and people starving to death and all that. All yeah. that going on. <clears throat> Most people you talk to don't like that. I, I've, you know, I've met some people who do like it. You know, they're like, oh, I love watching videos of kids getting killed. You, you have met those? No. no oh, okay. <laughs> but you see how ridiculous it was when I said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that is um, whatever. I went to a kid's death rally the other day. <laughs> a, a whole group of people. What number was that? Can someone give me a That was number eight. Okay. Nancy Pelosi, Russia, Russia, Russia. Right there. Okay. Okay. The next one goes to Democrat Representative Ayanna Presley, who is accusing Walgreens, accusing Walgreens of racial discrimination by closing stores in neighborhoods that are overrun by theft. Yes, Walgreens is closing stores um, because of all the theft, and this is specifically in Baston uh, where this is happening. And it turns out it's just because Walgreens is racist. Mm, that's right. They just don't like black people. And, and Black History Month of all times. Come on, folks. That's ridiculous. All right, let's go, Ayanna, now. Mr. Speaker, Walgreens is planning to close yet another pharmacy in the Massachusetts 7th, this time on Warren Street in Roxbury, a community that is 85% black and Latino. This closure is a part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income communities like the previous closures in Mattapan and Hyde Park, both in the Massachusetts 7th. When a Walgreens leaves a neighborhood, they disrupt the entire community and they take them and they take with them baby formula, diapers, asthma inhalers, life-saving medications, and of course, jobs. These closures are not arbitrary and they are not innocent. They are life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. Okay. Yep. Charlie, do you have a right to a Walgreens store in your neighborhood? Absolutely. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say not after that, but no, I see where we're going here. Yeah. They should probably be forced to stay open, actually. Uh, Well, they can't make too much money. No, no, no. That'd be price gouging. But, yeah. But Mm-mm. yeah. I, like they can't raise their prices to make up for all the items that are getting stolen from their store because that's price gouging. That's also racist exactly. for them to do that. And if they have to hire security guards mm-hmm. and if they have, uh, if they have Texas put razor wire up around their store or something like that, and they have to pay for all that and raise their prices. Well, that's just price gouging. Yep. That's what that is. The so, problem is we don't, you know, we need free Walgreens. Mm. That's what we need. I gotcha. You know, like free healthcare. Just like that. Yeah. How are we going to pay for it though? Uh, well, 
Tax the billionaires. Okay. Wealth tax. Where the billionaires get their money, though? Walgreens. (laughs) (laughs) Selling people stuff. Um, Opponents of the closure tried for weeks to convince the company to reconsider its decision, uh, but were unsuccessful. The location closed. Uh, The mayor, the representatives, Ina Presley, please keep on these people for letting these things in Roxbury close. Letting them close. Mm. letting a business decide to not operate because now you have a right to it, but also you hate it when it's there. Yeah, It is communities who have the least other options of where to get their medications filled where the pharmacies are closing, said Boston Mayor Michelle Wu. The Walgreens closure on Warren Street continues the trend of corporations abandoning black and brown and immigrant communities. Read the statement from yeah. Presley, Elizabeth yeah, Warren, and Ed Markey. That's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we are once again they're, they're leaving because the communities are black and brown that's why an immigrant because they don't care about black and brown yeah. people's money it now, spins different it this whole this is okay this is why we always talk about this whole victim mentality and all of that and the, the, this is why because in the culture when something like this happens rather than placing the blame where it belongs and telling people they should stop stealing <laughs> or you're gonna lose your stores because you can't stop taking things that don't belong to you and holding those people accountable and responsible. No, that's racist. We're going to hold the store owners accountable because they are being stolen from. Not only that, you preach an entire message to this group of people that tells them to hate these big companies, tells them that they're overcharging you, they're price gouging you, that you actually have a right to this stuff and shouldn't have to pay for it. It's no wonder these things happen. It's not that you tell an entire community that they're victims. It says here, Walgreens must not abandon this community. Walgreens didn't abandon the community. The community has abandoned themselves. Put that on a bumper sticker. You should go tell your neighbors. Stop breaking the law. (laughs) Of course, there are law abiding people that get punished because of this, but it's not on the store to stay open in a location where they're losing money. It doesn't matter if it's because of theft or because people just, don't want to buy stuff there. They, they need to make money. Yeah. And if they raise the prices, you're going to... Elizabeth Warren is signing on. Elizabeth Warren to be the first one lined up with her freaking tomahawk and her headdress telling them that they got to lower their prices. Slashing them prices. Okay? With the tomahawk. With the tomahawk. Yeah. Sla- slashing straight through there. Yeah. She'll be scalping Walgreens. Yeah. Um, anyway, it does exist in a high crime area. Last year, uh, the crime in this area was up 38%. Uh, from June of 2019. In fact, here's a crime map. I've actually dug into this one. I wanted to see. I looked up the address to the location and all that and tried to figure out. Them. How was there one with an A plus right in the middle of all of this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> they must have a fence. Gated, they a must, must have a fence <laughs> or something. I don't know. Must be. Uh, I don't Security. know. Security. So anyway, they're they're right here. Of course, there's corners happening right here. This is Warren Street, and uh, the darker these, the more red these colors get. I don't want to say darker in relation to this. The more red these colors get, the more crime there is. In yeah, the you could tell people like, yeah, I live on mm-hmm. Warren Street, you know, mm-hmm. in Boston, mm-hmm. and you don't know but that yeah. person super wealthy and safe, <laughs> apparently, or are they a gangster? You know? Now, what's interesting there is you just associated that with wealth. Oh, I'm that, sure that, that that was a a higher income neighborhood or a higher wealth neighborhood, and that they would at, would be the low lower crime neighborhood. Oh, it's it all comes down to economics. It does. It, it doesn't matter the all color. Of it. It, all of it. Like it, it's all it, it's all economic status. Yep. You know, you see this, um, especially if you're in the service industry. Okay, 
it doesn't matter uh, whether you, if you serve people, right? You, you can tell for the most part. Now this is always stereotypical but for the <laughs> most part. You can tell how that person is going to treat you based on their economic status. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they're white, if they're Hispanic, if they're black, if they're brown, if they're Asian, it doesn't matter. The economic status is what's going to to give you an indication for the most part of how that person is going to treat you as you serve them. Charlie and I waited tables for a long time, which means we have taken a wide statistical sample of human beings and learned a lot from them and how they treat people mm-hmm. and uh, and how they tip and and how nice they are and how much how much they need and how much how demanding they are. And uh, if you want to know anything, just ask us off the air. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, it doesn't have anything to do with, mm-hmm. with the color of people. It's all, it's economic status. That's why economics is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing. It's, this is, I mean, it's not, it's all we need to talk about. That's right, Joe. <laughs> all right. Number uh, 10. This will be the last one here from Kasim Rashid. Kasim right. Rashid Esquire. Okay. Go ahead. All right. White history month is trending. And then he did a little eyebrow raise. FYI, FYI, for your information, white is not a culture. White people don't have cultures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's German culture, French culture, Irish culture. Celebrate them, but no such thing as white culture. So labeling racism as anti-white is not defending a culture. It's defending being racist without consequence. All right. Before you say anything. I'm going to quiz you. I've got a, I've got a test. I've already got this ready for you. All right. Okay. This is a world map. Can you please point out black on this map? Uh, tell me where the nation of black, black culture. <laughs> no, no. I mean, tell me, I mean, there's no white culture. It's either, uh, what is it? Irish German, culture, yeah. German culture. Can you just point out where black is for me? <laughs> Where black culture comes from? No, not black culture. I want to know black. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, I, I would say it's mostly the whole map. Would you, say it's a, would you say it's a whole bunch of different countries? Oh, yeah. You know, when you mm-hmm. draw back to people's ancestry? Yeah. That it's not from the nation of black? <laughs> <laughs> Just like white culture is not yeah. a thing. It comes from all these different countries mm-hmm. that white people originated from yeah i mean i'm just wondering like algeria has a different culture than uganda and ethiopia <laughs> is different than chad yeah and chad's different than Botswana, which is different than south america south africa which is different than america and actually um if you read i recommend people read a thomas soul book uh, actually i recommend you read about 25 thomas soul books but a specific one uh, that's called, what is it, Black Rednecks and White Liberals. Uh, great book. Let me, just a little thing on black culture. What this person means by black culture is not um, from Chad or from Nigeria or any of these places. Or Niger. Um, black culture uh, originates, you can trace it back to Niger. white slave owners in the South. Mm. That is what black culture in America actually resembles. The culture of white slave owners in the South. You do not draw any of the things. fancy talk. 
<laughs> That's all I'm going to say because I'm not, you know, I'm not the expert on this issue, but I do recommend people go read Black Rednecks and White Liberals. Mm. So, anyhow, uh, those. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> All right, let's get the votes in. Mm-hmm. Everyone go to the Dumb Believe channel real quick. Mm-hmm. We got 10 items in the Dumb Believe channel. All right. <laughs> Man, I thought we were going to keep going. <laughs> get your vote on. Uh, let me put this last get one in here. Get your votes in. Uh, white. Get your votes in. Culture. Let's get those votes in in the Dumb Bleep of the Week channel. <laughs> I like how one of the options is 8 a.m. Dumb Bleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, true. Man. I think it's already got some votes too. All right, where can people go to uh to find more of us, Charlie? Oh. Uh just look at the map. <laughs> just look on the map. Well, the map's not on the screen anymore. Oh. But I would say But you could pull out a map. You could. Or look at one on your phone probably. Yeah, you could actually look at the worldwide web. And then that's where you would yeah. find us. Yeah. Goodmorningliberty.us. You could find mm-hmm. us on YouTube. Uh you could find us in the club. Um, you can catch us bright and early like uh, today, uh, but you can go to uh, goodmorningliberty.us or you can go to joingmail.com. You can go to the Fed Haters Club. Yeah. If you want to do that, when Wait. you go to joingmail.com, you join up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You go to God Hates Feds and get some merch. Get your very own God Hates Feds t shirt. Mm. Yeah, offend, a- offend someone today. Yeah. Make so it you're your saying daily we goal. exist virtually. It's ma- mainly virtual. We're not even actually real. This is just a total AI podcast. Okay. That's that's all it is. Sorry. Sorry all to right. tell you. It's not a bad idea, by the way. <laughs> it's just a total AI podcast. God, yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's some out there already. Robots talking to each other. Hey, everyone get your votes in. Quit messing around out and there. No one knows what they're going to say. You know? You just have robots talking to each other. I'm, that's already an hour. a thing. I guarantee it's already a thing. Great idea. It's got to be. Great idea. Um... No one's voting. The discrepancy between people and votes is pretty low. Mm. It, but it, if you look at with uh, 30% of the precincts reporting. Um, Are you going to call it? It looks like we could call the Ayana Walgreens as the winner for Dumb Bleep. Hmm. Um, with 30% of pre- precincts reporting. Now, we're probably going to have about eight times as many mail-in votes come in, but that's a couple days from now, so we'll let you know. Yeah, I mean, that seems that, that seems pretty dumb. All right, folks, if you enjoyed this three hours tonight, then make sure you go find our podcast, Good Morning Liberty, on your favorite podcast app. I know we're called Liberty at Night right now, but we're Good Morning Liberty every single day. We'll see you next week. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.